Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's February the 28th of 2024, and you know what that means. It's uh, it's the day before Leap Day. Yeah, the most important special day of every four years. Come on, that day that nothing special happens on. Come on, is, Get excited. Is something is is something supposed to happen tomorrow? I know that like it's February 29th is like a legend, but it's just an interesting, weird thing yeah. that only happens once every four years. Uh, I, I'm I'm, pe- I'm pessimistic about this. Well, no, no. It's as a result. It's nothing in particular really happens on it, except for days that are specifically put on that day to be weird leap day things, uh-huh. unless, of course, you were born on the 29th of february and then you get to make jokes about how you're you know only a quarter as young as you actually are yeah uh, um but yeah in general as far as i'm aware there's not anything really all that noteworthy that happens on it because people are specifically like no i want it to be scheduled on a day that actually happens once a year why would i do anything like that but yeah that means all the special things happen on the 29th of february obviously that is true now did you ever get excited when those like special days came up um back in uh i'm trying to remember when it was i guess like i don't know like there were certain days like you know uh when the year was like 22 where it's like february 2nd 22nd 2022 and everyone's like it's two 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 um and i just i don't know what it is about my brain but like it i have like anti-interest when it comes to that uh but i do get very hyped when my shampoo and my conditioner run out at the same time and i'm like i get to buy both at once you don't understand uh i do have those little nerdy moments yes i mean i i did talk about like the prime number thing uh mm. Oh, and that one particular episode where you were like, you had to, you immediately were like, let me look up what prime numbers there are. I was like, yeah, like one and uh, 16 other important prime numbers. Uh, Yeah, according to a quick Google search, it seems like outside of like weird birthdays, there's not a lot of things that happen during it, except for, you know, like there's one that's like rare disease day. Is observed on February twenty ninth. Yeah, you know that seems cruel. I have a rare well, disease you know, and I don't get to let anybody know except for once every four years. My disease is rare. I might be dead. <laughs> it's you know to like kind of make the point of like this is kind of an unusual thing. So yeah. here's another unusual thing that people don't spend a lot of time. It should about, be like a quirky unusual thing as opposed to a medical quirky thing. Like you know, hey, it's fillered episodes of anime day or something like that or like hey it's a weird cream cheese flavor day you know this is the day where you just get like a crazy little cream cheese flavor it's you know it's silly i get i I get i get that i actually do like the idea of doing like you know weird things on that day uh and on the level of specifically filler in anime days, <laughs> a weird thing to to celebrate they, or did, observe. Do they even do filler in anime anymore, Nick? Oh, they do. But I um, mean, beyond like series that just outright really aren't trying to be like, I know like Boruto doesn't really try to keep pace with the manga per se. So like huge yeah, they just swaths. Do their own thing. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like um, every now and then, I'll I'll catch an episode of like My Hero Academia that I'm like, this is filler. Uh, <laughs> it's just straight filler. Usually, it involves a marine hero that looks like a seal named Selkie that I absolutely despise. I fucking hate him. I <laughs> I I want. In my mind, this is how the visual is playing. Nicole is sitting down at the couch, like a big bowl of popcorn, like, it's time for my hero Octavia. And Selkie shows up and you slap the popcorn out of her hand. You're like, no, this is a filler <laughs> episode. <laughs> we're not enjoying ourselves. In fact, we're both going to bed right now. There is like one joke about his character that gets repeated like every five minutes when it's a Selkie episode. And I'm like, no, stop it. It's not a funny joke. Please stop. Well, I, uh, I'm the neutral so party here, so I can let you know if it is a, a hilarious joke or not. Uh, he's a big, uh, you know, kind of he's a, he's a big sailor dude who also has, you know, like seal traits. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, he looks kind of rough and and intimidating. But he keeps on trying to do cutesy things, um, like you know, like doing like let's just do it, you know that that kind of thing. But he's a big, rough seal guy. Okay. And everyone, and then everyone goes, "That's not a very like it doesn't. It looks weird when you do that. You should stop that." Except of course they do it in the um, anime way, which is which is like that's weird. You should stop doing that. Blah, 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 you know, and then they just do that like every five minutes when he's around. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna side with you, Nick. That's not a good joke. I'm not loving it. Uh, I think we're beyond that point where like appearances and doing thing that seems untraditional based off your appearances is like the punchline to a joke. We need, we need high class humor. So he should do a yeah. lot of like seal puns. Yes. Yeah. But like Honestly, he has to really he work them in. <laughs> If he did a bunch of seal puns, he would be so much more endearing than he is. Like he drop kicks a bad guy into the mail, like the post office, and he says, signed, sealed, and delivered. <laughs> I think that's the... But he, but he can only do that when he kicks someone into a post <laughs> yeah, office. they miss the post really office. difficult because he works like, on, he's like a Coast Guard type hero. So he's like, oh, there's got to be a post office somewhere along this shore. Like the villain's headed towards the post office. He starts get, like he starts getting visibly excited, and then they slam into a bakery instead. He's like, "Now, oh, fuck! I have nothing for that." It was seal puns for bakeries. Oh yeah, man, fuck that! I love that bakery too. God damn it! Where am I gonna get my crepes now? <laughs> it has nothing to do with being a seal. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, but um. God, this is also what was definitely missing from uh, from uh, Shark and Dolphin. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> Harbaugh, Cop, and Dolphin. Just some stupid marine animal puns. There, anyway. There weren't enough shark jokes. Um, We do have manga to talk about this we week. We do. Yeah. Quinn. And uh, it's uh, a little bit of a weird week because we don't have Kaiju number eight, even though there's two Kaiju number eight <laughs> series running right now. It, it is wild to not have a kaiju number eight chapter to talk about uh but all we have was uh um we, we got kaiju b-side color pages basically yeah which they were good they were good color pages sure um it's just very interesting it follows the same format of, of regular kaiju 
Yes, yes. It was like, oh, we're also taking a break on this one. Though. All right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we do have, speaking of My Hero Academia filler, we've got My Hero Academia chapter number 415, Rejection. Uh, this is a short chapter. It's uh, only about half the length of a normal one, and it's uh, discontinuing the uh, plan for the aspects of One for All to be forcefully transferred to Shigaraki to try and break through the kind of shell of his psyche that he's got protecting that uh, core personality of his. Uh, And there's... A lot of commentary from the first holder of One for All uh, and how it works and and how the soul is important to it. Uh, He notes this, like, yes, my brother sought the soul of One for All, but despite all the absurd power he amassed, that soul resides right here. Putting a stop to such a heinous calamity was always the very reason we've been woven into this chain of power. And there is a very cool visual of, like, all the different aspects, like, in and they're, like, sparkling shimmering souls connected in a big chain that also then turn into Deku's fist as he punches Shigaraki. Very, very cool. Uh, And there's continues to be just trippy stuff happening as they're experiencing memories uh, in particular from the first time that they met that big clash where the first appearance of the league of villains was so, uh, so you and Mineta show up in this chapter, even though they, you know, are just like flashback characters. So. I I was very confused at first. I was like, I didn't think either of these characters were here, and it took me far too long to eventually realize, like, oh right, the the memories colliding. That's that's what's happening. Uh, and. We get the big punch, uh, and Deku is, you know, shouting, Shigaraki! And Shigaraki shouting, Midoriya! This this is a moment that exists so the anime can say, it happened in the manga, don't blame us! Yep. Uh, we're gonna put it in all our trailers. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and Deku punches Shigaraki really, really hard, and he starts to transfer the, the soul, and uh, it gets forcefully rejected. It has been bounced back. Uh, but uh, it still partially works. Uh, N manages to get through, but all the rest of them are still with Deku. So, you know, I mean, it makes sense. Like, look, we've got this set up where the, the aspects are being transferred one at a time. We're not going to do the thing where it's like, ah, there you go. All of them. <laughs> yeah, you take all over. of them at once. <laughs> Build up tension, etc. Uh, there's more Shigaraki flashbacks uh in particular when he's a little kid uh not being a very happy little kid uh and but deck realized like okay there's you know uh, we're making progress i gotta keep on going shigaraki is fingers he's fingers just fingers made of fingers made of fingers uh swarming around him and okay Nick, so this, this is unrelated what's your favorite finger 11 song um <laughs> There's only the one, right? <laughs> now, I understand if you say Paralyzer, because it's what it I is. would I would say, too. And I think most people, this, I don't know, there's probably, it's a Canadian band, right? There's probably people from yes. Canada who are like, oh, no, I know all of the big uh, Paral- uh, Finger Eleven hits. Um, I feel like there's one other one I know, but I might be mixing it up with Our Lady Peace. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so carry on. What's happening to my hero? Anyway. I just so, thought I thought of finger eleven because as I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's a lot of fingers. What's the most fingers I've ever thought of before? Finger eleven. Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> it's only one more than the than the regular number of fingers, but yeah. uh, still. And then someone was like, "What about Sukuna? Sukuna has twenty fingers." I'm like, twenty finger finger twenty. Not a good band name. Yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't rock out to that. Like I did rock out to the many presumably hits of finger eleven. And their iconic band members of lead singer, guitarist, maybe multiple, drummer, presumably, and uh, a xylophonist. Didn't get a lot of recognition, but I think they, uh, you know, they get their spot on the album. They get they get in the band shots. I'm going to look up Finger Eleven. So unnecessarily mean. <laughs> I don't know. They're all fine, I'm sure. There's five of them. They can't all play guitars. <laughs> just all I'm, guitarists. I'm going to look at it. The lyrics of those songs that you thought that was singing? No, no. That's just a very well-played and meticulously uh, tuned guitar to make it sound like words. <laughs> I say this fully recognizing my favorite band is uh, Foo Fighters who have three <laughs> guitarists in the band. Um, rhythm guitar, lead guitar, bass, drums, bass. lead vocals. Yeah, this is... It's <laughs> pretty standard band lineup for a rock pretty standard band. <laughs> now, do you want to guess which band member... Because uh, four of the band members, four of the fingers... Uh, <laughs> have stayed the same always. Remember band, <laughs> which are also four of the fingers. Uh, the other one is seven fingers, or there's just extra fingers that they yeah, haven't filled. In. The, it's been a tough position to fill because every time the one person leaves, they have to find someone else who counts for seven fingers worth of fingers. <laughs> it's always it's always been a big issue. This joke would have worked better if this was five for fighting, uh, but right. I. <laughs> I know nothing about them. Uh, let's look them up. You carry on with the episode, Nick. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just in my own the rabbit hole. Um. So there's a random ass camera that is filming this action. It's a little drone thing with like dragonfly wings. Uh. And uh. Yeah. This is apparently an invention of Maze, and she's like, yeah. And also, it informed Midoriya that his gauntlets were finished. All right. Good, All right. Good to know. Good to know. We we have a new timer, essentially. Like, we know this fight can't end until Deku presumably gets these, uh, unless Kubo is right in this, in which case, who knows? <laughs> right. may, this may be a question never people happen. ask forever. To like, what what were those gauntlets going to do? Yeah. Uh, what was Deku's Bankai? <laughs> I mean, you know. I don't know, guys. Ukitake is dead. I don't know what to tell you. We're never found out. Hey, Nick, any day now, we're actually going to hell. I, I guess that is technically possible, yes. Um, meanwhile, uh, yeah, there is other people that are still involved in this. Because this was, of course, a huge cataclysmic, massive battle that was happening. Uh, so Cementos has shown up, and he's helping to protect the falling prison structure from crashing and gentle is helping him okay uh and then may keeps on keeps going on by saying oh i want to get make sh i want deku to you know uh 
have the best tech and make him good tech, so I've got to observe him in action. Okay? And LaBrava says, that's the same boy who got my beloved thrown in the slammer, which somehow only helped my sweetheart to be even more amazingly, wonderfully stupendous. Which is, I guess, like an attempt at making her sound kind of cringe, but it's a little bit weird. Oh, is, um, is that not cringe, Nick? It is. It's cringe, but also in the same way, it's like people who who talk like this don't talk like this, if you know what I mean. It's very weird. Mm. Uh, uh, and uh, then one of the guys who is filming uh, notices something. And uh, we cut away to one of the evacuation shelters and someone realizes, like, oh, my God, wait a minute. That's airy. Airy. Like, as in freaking little kid airy with the time rewinding powers. She's just, like, rushing some onto the scene. And she's got a, her little, like, little kid pa- bag with her. Um, okay. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, you know, we, we want to wrap up this plot line as well. Airy will potentially insert herself into this. I don't know necessarily what she will do, but potentially... Maybe she'll just be like an extra little way for Deku to get in a shot at some point to start putting these things in. Um, but yeah. Also, ectoplasm's there, Nick. Yes. Uh, most, uh, most, uh, most recognition that ectoplasm's gotten in. When did they do the exams? <laughs> yeah, I think that it's the mo- I, the last, literally the last time I remember him showing up was when I threw a fit over the math that he was teaching being wrong. And the. <laughs> yeah, little- I think that's the last time. I think that might be the last time he showed up. Like, there we go. This is an iconic character. Uh, no. E- e- ectoplasm, the guy who gets math wrong sometimes. That's his power. <laughs> also, he's a big spooky blob thing, but his power is to get math problems wrong. He's getting math wrong. <laughs> Which is ironic. They make him a math teacher. They really shouldn't. If that's his power, he should definitely be teaching gym or something else, you know? Uh, I guess there's math in gym. What's a what's a subject that requires no math at all? Um, spelling. It's not It's not English, uh, somehow. Yeah, it's, it's, no, no, there's so much. You gotta, you gotta calculate, uh, like, timing and stuff. Do you know, do you know how much a Barnes for Nobles buy one, get get one half off is going to come out to, Nick? You gotta do yeah, a exactly. lot of fucking math That's to get right. that right. Um, but spe- You gotta use it in art sometimes, because yeah. you gotta use, like, geometry and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, History? There, there's the math. There's math people in history. That's yeah, true. You got to know years and yeah. stuff. Um, science, I guess, would be the only one. You don't use math and science. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know I didn't. <laughs> it was like uh, mix just enough salt. <laughs> it's just a shot of me pouring an entire bottle in. Like what? Shut up, nerd. You don't have to be you don't have to be precise. It's not like you're baking. Come on, guys. <laughs> and these, baking has nothing to do with science. Yeah, these cupcakes will come out fine. Uh anyway. Yeah, this this is a short chapter. Um it's and it, we really just kind of like have just the transition from the previous chapter into this one. And then suddenly, oh, and by the way, here's another thing that's happening. Uh but 
it doesn't it's weird because like at the time that the chapter ends, it's like yes this feels like the time the chapter should end at least it's not as if it just suddenly cuts short it's just a very weird moment to go over these certain things uh but yeah i guess we have to because presumably Ares going to have to show up uh in the aftermath or the very tail end of this fight yes uh now nick speaking of series that have uh the ghosts of your predecessors uh helping you to fire your soul as a weapon <laughs> which yeah. is a wildly specific segue <laughs> but let's talk about this week's undead unluck Ooh, two nickels yeah <laughs> <laughs> number 196 <laughs> yes i don't know why that really tickled me tunic <laughs> hell yeah um so last time top uh using haruka's uh unbreakable armor uh collided with beast who's using uh, an unbreakable skin that they got from eating part of haruka and it was sort of like which one will break first you know haruka's unbreakable or this guy's uh and uh we still don't get really much of an answer for Not that really. because no. uh, they collide and then Fuko is kind of just wondering something to herself. She's saying, like, I've always wondered why did the negation abilities choose us? This world changes with each loop, but they always manifest in the same people. What is the reason behind this? And Haruka just kind of looks over his top and uh, Beast are colliding. They're, they're shooting off. We'll, we'll, we'll revisit with them in a second. But Harka's just like, something's not right, Fuko. The power of Unbreakable can only be attained after years of training. Like, even if you were going to steal, he couldn't master it right away. And Fuko thinks to a little flashback that we, we never got to see before, which is Billy being like, I can't do it. I can't copy Unbreakable. I've tried, but it's just not, it's not good enough. And uh, older Ashin, the previous Ashin, is just like, the power of Unbreakable is passed down to a lone successor, and those who do not inherit it cannot use it without considerable training. Kind of like, this is the one special <laughs> uh, uh, negator power, because it, I guess, goes down a family line. Anyways, Fuko is just like, this is weird. Like, Billy wasn't able to copy it, so why is Beast able to do it so easily? There must be some trick at play. Top and Beast go launching over into the ocean at some point. Um, I'm not sure what coast this battle was taking place on before. Yeah. I'm assuming... It's also, like, in a mountainous jungle in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I guess it was very close to the Atlantic Ocean. I think that's still considered... That'd be most likely. Yeah. yeah okay. Whew. Geology. Nailed it. Geography. Wait. Whatever. <laughs> um, it's okay. We don't need to know math for that. <laughs> yeah. I don't use these subjects I don't need math for. Uh, but at this point, uh, Top is just angry. He's like, why are you not breaking? Like, you just borrowed this umbil uh, ability. And Beast is like, playtime's over. And just kind of like, um. eats an octopus. And, like, moves, so Top goes, like, sliding past him. And he says, I'm going to consume all the other foolish humans. And just sends Top flying, knocks Top around. His uh, helmet falls off. And in particular, he breaks his arm. Because this is unstoppable. So unless he can redirect that energy into breaking something else, 
he breaks his arm. Uh, yeah, there's a, a great uh, impact page because he's he throws Top so hard that he skips him like a stone across the yeah. water. Very, very nice. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Fuko is watching all of this and she's like, wait, just now. And she asks Julia to give her her saber uh, and then jumps on uh, Kinto'un. Uh, Top is just drowning at this point. And I love Beast is like, oh, come on, dude. Don't tell me you can't swim. This planet is like almost all water. What the fuck? You guys suck. <laughs> you guys really are just divorced from nature. Oh, hey, is your arm broken? Yeah, I don't need that kind of power. That power seems bad. <laughs> you guys, Fair enough. you guys can have him instead. And we see Top is now surrounded by several sharks. And he can't, yep. get, he can't get away because he's currently in the water. There is no way for him to accelerate at all. He is he is without traction. Uh, and it looks like he is about to be devoured by one of these sharks when suddenly it stops and begins to swim away. And Beast looks over his shoulder and he's like, ah, it's you, Unlock. And we see Fuko holding Julia's saber and it is glowing. They have also used... Uh, the Kitoon cloud to grab top so he's he's now resting safely uh back up there and fuko says i have been terribly mistaken about the origin of the world and the basis for your group's abilities i thought those who had the role had complete control over it but you're hitching soul chains to make those beasts serve you beastly wait you can see those and fuko kind of passes by one and she just slices it with the sword and cuts it and she says not as clearly as you probably do but i can see them in this moment and if you believe they reveal themselves my partner taught me that and we see uh, a shot of her and andy as she's you know looking on and you know in the past uh and she's like people live via their souls and beasts are no different you ingest the soul of whatever you eat and you gained its memories and experience. That's why you're able to use Unbreakable. You didn't just eat a piece of Haruka. You ate a piece of her soul doing that. And you said before that originally this world was just land and people. And that's when all the souls came into everything. So this world's, this world's first rule then was soul. And all of you who are born afterwards use this rule for your abilities. So we just have to make use of it ourselves. Fight souls with souls. And Beast kind of just narrows his eyes. He's bigger. He's like, so what? How will that help you take me down? And at that moment, a two-piece. <laughs> at that moment, a, a giant, I assume blue whale. I don't really know which whale it's supposed to be. But this whale comes up out of the water and is about to swallow them whole. Fuko starts to like fall backwards and as she does she lifts up her hand in the form of a finger gun and in that moment she is surrounded by six other people all dressed in various different attires sort of in different time like ages essentially you know there's stuff that's modern or stuff that feels very very old and the person says yes uh, one of the individuals in the top head says that's right that will do Thank you for living all this time. We're so glad that we picked you. Mm -hmm. uh, and Fuko fires off a soul blast that 
Julia Notes looks just like the shooting star that she saw originally. And I presume this is still the top hat guy who says, don't worry, it's coming. You're on luck. And we get a two page spread that shows a meteor flying down, hitting this whale in the head and saving them. And the chapter ends with Beast looking on shock saying, you've caught on to them. Mm hmm. And uh, Foucault's like tearing up. This has been like some sort of uh, very uh, important, like spiritual thing that seems to have happened yeah. with her as well. This is definitely a big uh, moment for her. Mm hmm. Uh, unlocking seemingly the secret, not just for herself, presumably to get stronger, but probably everyone else uh, as well. Uh, <coughs> and uh, yeah, this does seem there's a lot that is, that gets pretty heavily implied in this chapter uh, mm -hmm. for her words of saying, like, why do the abilities choose us as their wielders? And then getting confirmation from uh, one of these souls saying, oh, we're so glad that we chose you. Apparently, a previous wielder gets to decide who their the next inheritor of the ability is. So presumably over the course of these hundred loops, they've the abilities have sought out the person that humanity basically thinks is the best suited to hold it. Um, which which also suggests a lot of different things. Uh, for example, uh, I think some people point out that when um, in the previous loop, when uh, Mui gets untruth, yeah. uh, Shen was like, yeah, Mui should have it. Oh, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, we also kind of get a uh, confirmation then that number one of the round table is Soul. We kind of started to suspect this after the last encounter, but it right. makes sense now. Um I'm very, very interested. I think this is a cool reveal. I, I want to see what level of, of influence this has on Fuko. There is a small part of me that's a little disappointed because I feel like this won't be explored except through the lens of Fuko and maybe like one or two other members of the group. If even this, this is like. This seemed like this was going to be a cool moment for, like, uh, Unbreakable and Top to do something. And maybe it still is. The fight's not done yet. But there is a part of me that's, right. like, it does feel like the only character who gets, like, full-on, like, progressive character development and battle development has been Fugo. Um, so I think it's very cool, though. This seems to kind of unlock uh, the final sort of, like power-ups for the series of like all right now everyone is gonna kind of start using like soul powers and i guess everyone could just fire soul beam cannons which is pretty cool right which which activate her ability as yeah. well uh uh and yeah who would have thought of uh the idea of uh firing your soul uh your spirit if you will in the form of a gun mm -hmm. made with your hand i'm sure the no shonen series has ever done that before well, and no one's ever going to make unfair comparisons between them it's <laughs> probably taxing because she's just learned it so she might not be able to use it more than like maybe four times let's just yeah. throw out a random number like four times a day or just something like times, that yeah, yeah. So show up in handy little things that like, you know, little glowing beams on her fingers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we'll just got to keep I mean, she literally does have little uh, circle beams around her finger there. So <laughs> <laughs> we might be going in that direction and I'm fine with it. Someone should use uh, yeah. that idea in a better way. Um, 
So I think this is a cool chapter. I like this one a lot. I think there's a lot of implications to this that are very intriguing. Uh, and I just like, I don't know why I love like the shocked face of Fuko in that last yeah. panel. Like, it's just, I don't know. There's something very like compelling about it. Yeah. She almost seems more scared than anything else. It's, I feel it's, like it's, it's a weird expression. Yeah. I feel like this is the face you would make when you've suddenly realized a new fundamental rule to the universe you've, you've been living in. Like I can shoot my soul out of my hand. <laughs> I meant more about, like, the, the ghost inherited users and stuff like that. But, yes, also that I can shoot uh, soul bullets is, is pretty wild. All, All right. right. Blue box. Shockingly, blue, 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 blue. we didn't keep this trend up, and there is no point in blue box this week where Taiki realizes the past uh, badminton users <laughs> at AMA High School have been <laughs> endowed with him the ability to, to soul return. <laughs> Uh, it's chapter 138, A Badminton Day, featuring a truly unusual uh, cover page of a bunch of characters from AMA all doing the same pose together. Yeah. It's uh, very silly. Uh, yeah, uh, Taiki is doing his first round match in the badminton tournament. Uh, he gets he wraps up the win pretty quickly afterwards. Uh, and uh, Karen and Shinatsu are still, you know, hanging out, cheering in the bleachers and stuff. And uh, Karen says, hey, you know, I don't even know if he realizes that, like, you're here. Maybe we should go and say hi. And Shinata says, nah, today's a badminton day. It's like, and I do like how Karen kind of, like, quietly reacts to herself. And she's like, so are there lover days, too? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's Shinatsu. You know, she, she, she has her way of looking at things. Stuff. Yep. yep. Uh, and then Karen points out, like, hey, you know, if, if both of them keep on winning, then that means that Kengo and Taiki are gonna face off against each other. And Janessa does look at like a little bit sad when that happens. And Karen warns her, like, hey, when that happens, I'm not gonna cheer for Taiki, okay? So they're like, Yeah, okay. And they they kind of have just like a an understandable, like, yeah, okay, sorry. No, it's like, all right, I get it's okay. You can root against my boyfriend, okay. And but then Karen also says, Also, you should cheer on Kengo over over Taiki. (laughs) (laughs) I do like that. Uh, and then we just get a montage of the tournament advancing. Uh, Taiki's advancing, and uh, I, I've gotten so used to calling him Ken- Kengo that I've forgotten his his uh, last name. It's uh, he, 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 how are you? How are you? How are you? Okay, yeah. uh, and uh, pe- people are all reacting like, "Oh man, that that how are you guy is so good. He's definitely got to go to nationals. It's probably going to be him and Yusa that go to nationals together." And uh, Taiki takes a minute while he's, you know, in between matches and just kind of, you know, goes to the steps outside the building and he sits down and thinks to himself. And he thinks about when he first got to practice in the same gym as Haru when he was like in the last year of junior high at the associated school. So they got to practice with the uh, with the regular high school kids. And even back then, you know, Hari was just like at this at this level above. You know, he's only one year older than Taiki, so he would have been a freshman at this time. And even still, it was just like he's so much better. Like he's so good. He's got this like aura to him. Uh, and there was this like moment where like one of the junior high kids was like, "Oh, but, uh, he was like, what? <laughs> Runs away from." Him. I, I love the little joke that they have in there, too, where they're like, it's this group that's showing up. They're going to join. 
and Taiki uh, does his introduction introduction and introduces himself as I'm Taiki. I'm, I'm 14. 14. <laughs> and uh, Kyo, Kyo, Kyo. Kyo. It's like, oh. we're all the same age. You don't have to say that. <laughs> it's like everyone knows what year of junior high you're in, Kaiki. <laughs> oh, I guess it's actually not even Kyo. It looked like it was him. It's just one of the teachers there, one of the people there. It's like, we all know how old you are. Kyo's right. just Kyo there. Is standing. He is standing next to him, though, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like everyone's kind of like too intimidated by Haru to to even talk to him. Uh, but then uh, Taiki was scheduled to have a match against Haru at this practice, and you know they had a match together, and clearly Haru, you know, started having fun during yeah. it. And it's like Taiki didn't win, obviously, but he did score some points off them, and he pushed him a little bit. He, was, uh, he had a rival within his own. Uh... Uh, team essentially yeah and so taiki thinks to himself like you know i wanted to be like him i would watch him play and i would feel this respect for him that's what he meant to me and now we come to the moment as we've just kind of like skipped over all the unimportant matches look this isn't like a standard like we have 12 matches sports series it's like no we've got our set of important characters, we're just going to do them. Yeah. It, it, it's like, look, guys, there's only two matches in this entire tournament you give a shit about. It's these two characters and then the two Yusa brothers going against each other. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, it's Taiki going up against Haru, and the two of them get ready. They take the court, they shake hands into the net, wish each other good luck. And, uh, like, their teammates all gather on the sidelines and, like, hey, who should we cheer for and stuff? And I do like how one person's like, well, both of them. Which are for both of them. But uh, one of them brings up the point like, well, I get that, but like, I kind of feel like I'm leaning towards cheering for Haru because he's a third year. This is his last chance. Uh, the game starts up, and yeah, a few people are saying like, yeah, you know, it's not really fair to Taiki, but he's got until next year. You know, he can, he can, he can go to Nationals next year. This is Haru's last shot. Uh and we don't really get an idea of like what the score is from this point in the rest of the chapter, but it's clearly a very intense match. There's, yes. you know, we get a lot of zooms on their faces, you know, diving to make saves and, and stuff. Uh, Taiki jumping up for smashes and everything. Uh, and the one guy who was kind of objecting, saying like, oh, I feel like we should root for both of them. This is, you know, I get what you mean, but I do want to cheer for Taiki because look, He's earned it. He got this far so that he could take on Haru. And we just get, you know, a few more flashes of their match as they're exchanging strikes. And they're just saying, like, look, Taiki's looking good, but Haru's also at the top of his game. So what's going to happen? Uh, and that's just the note we leave off on is that, yeah, these two have known each other for a long time. There's been that kind of mutual respect for a long time, but it's coming to the point where... One's got to beat the other. Yeah, I mean, we're in sort of um, a pretty intense spot where we, we've been building to this for quite a while now. The Taiki, uh, or not Taiki, uh, yeah, Taiki. I don't know why I suddenly blanked on his name and I was like, nope, that's an imaginary character I just that's created. That's actually his name, yeah. yeah <laughs> Taiki and uh, Haru, their, their matchup, their, you know, this is when it actually matters has been like an important plot development or like a building storyline for a, a while now. It's 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 been stewing. So coming to a conclusion of like, hey, 
somebody has to win here. And as I've already said, I know I, I am predicting Taiki is going to win here. Um, but I think regardless of how this goes, this is going to be a significant development for both of these characters. Um, because, you know, this has been uh, a monumental effort in both of their lives. Both of these are characters who have absolutely, you know, for better uh, or worse, have, have put in the legwork, you know? Uh, and speaking of legs, Nick. Well, before we get into that, I just want to say that my, for my part, for my uh, guess as to what will happen next. In terms of how I would book this uh, to build for the big show, All right. which is new, Nationals. New segment, Nick Freeman, manga booker. Right. Um, is Daiki, yeah, beats Haru. Did we continue the theme of like, oh man, third year is getting their hearts broken and stuff. We've been prepped up for the idea of like, look, Haru's going to move on and he's going to try and do something else from here. And then Yusa in the finals fucking destroys Taiki. <laughs> just just obliterates him. Whoa. Manga <laughs> like Booker Nick, he's 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 intense. That's how that's how you build up like, look, Taiki's gotta fucking work hard when he goes to nationals because Yusa kills him <laughs> in the next in the next match they have. I don't think he can straight up kill him because they've already had him take a game off of Yusa. So the idea though that he will get beat because Yusa has also been working at working really hard would make a lot of sense. But in my mind, I was reading this as like a, uh, you know, a complete squash match. You know, his opponent comes in F five F five Taiki seven times and then pins him kind of uh, right. squash. There are so many people. I saw a thing recently to get into a bit of a wrestling topic. So you're, Whoa, you're on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You're, so you're aware of, you know, the Solo Sokoa John Cena match that happened last year. No. Um you, okay, so you know who Solo Sokoa is, right? No. Okay. He is uh the Uso's younger brother who's like Aww. the heavy he's the heavy for the bloodline right now. But he's now. the little brother. Yes, but he's the heavy he's their heavy, oh, okay. uh, basically. Um he does a lot of like For the manga. Usos? He's the Uso's younger brother. But the uh, Usos need a heavy. Well, he's he's Roman's heavy. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm I'm catching up now. Okay. So he does a lot of Umaga type things, including the Samoan Spike, and so he had a match with John Cena, and beat him after basically just Samoan spiking him like seven times in a row. <laughs> like he would just pull him up, jab him in the throat, and um. There was a thing that somebody put uh, posted, which was like uh, essentially like Korean fan voting for a bunch of wrestling stuff. Uh, and S Solo Sokoa got like the worst, like everything <laughs> from them. Like worst gimmick, worst wrestler, worst talker, worst theme song. <laughs> Everyone's just like, fuck that guy. Everyone's just, just huge John Cena fans. I think that was a big part of it. And there is also like a pretty big contingent of people who, who are just like, his. they think that he's just not really well suited to his current gimmick. Mm. So... I mean, I don't watch. I don't watch wrestling regularly. How much? Know, how so. much of a gimmick do you need to be the heavy? Uh, I, I, he's Roman Reigns heavy. In my mind, he's still Samoa Joe or uh, the Usos heavy, and that's what's like fucking with my mind. It's like right. it, it just reminds me of that time Edge and Christian had Rhino as like <laughs> their <laughs> and I'm just like, what a weird thing for 
for a tag team to have if you're not like the cowardly shit heels, which I don't believe the Usos are. But again, I haven't watched in a while. They they might be. Well, uh, they're not. They're not a tag team anymore. What? So. No. <laughs> Jay Uso turned face, and he and uh, Jimmy Uso stayed heel, and they're going to have a match at WrestleMania probably. So, so. um, which one uh, is the one who has all the drunk driving charges? That's Jimmy Uso. It was okay, probably so this a works good, out. Though. It was probably a good idea for Jay to be the face. <laughs> this, this, this is this is lining up more than okay. Well, this is uh, this this might be the same thing. Taiki might get his shit pushed in, and then all the and then the, 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 the younger, Korean his vote. younger brother and his younger brother shows up, <laughs> starts stabbing people in the throat with his thumb. Well, that's the, I was gonna go with the the Korean votes. It puts a lot of votes down on you on Yusa, but that also could be the thing. Fuck Yusa! <laughs> wow, this manga oh. has changed. Yeah. Uh, speaking, anyway. of, speaking of my segue 15 minutes ago, they've done a lot of yeah. leg work. Speaking of legs. <laughs> Chainsaw Man, chapter 156. Well, now, is it supposed to be like that? Like the idea of he, he slips into the operation table. <laughs> That then begins to solve his legs. Oh, man, it'd be, t- it'd be a terrible if Deji slipped right before he got to the operating table where we're going to take his legs off. <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> They're just setting up banana peels around an operating table. And Deji's like, ah, oh, sweet banana peels. <laughs> Slips onto the table. They're like, I can't believe that worked, but you were right. Denji wakes up in a hospital, in a hospital bed. Uh, he, uh, has just, you know, had a dream about, you know, his adoptive little sister, Nayuta, and, you know, their time together and stuff. And he's worried about her because, you know, he ran away while she was being attacked by a mob of people. Uh, and Yoshida's there watching over him. And, you know, Denji, of course, wants to know what the hell happened to Nayuta. And Yoshida starts to say, like, like, I don't know, but, but Denji gets up out of the bed and he just immediately stumbles and falls to the floor. And Yoshida has to tell him, you've been asleep for an entire week, so you're not, you, you can't just get up and start walking right away. And then she demands, and I was like, well, why, why didn't you wake me up if I've been asleep for that long? Uh, and Yoshida says, ah, Denji, thought I'd dumbed it down enough for even a monkey to understand. You doubt Denji's dumbness. I was going to say, that, monkey. that was very presumptuous of you to think you could dumb anything down enough for Denji. <laughs> monkeys know how to use tools like uh but he says like i sold you you know turn into chainsaw man and i can't guarantee your normal life you broke the rules and there's nothing more i can do to help you and he walks out and just leaves denji on the floor and closes the door uh but he gets out and he says to a group of people from the government including fumiko yeah put him back under and he's got a syringe in his hand. And uh, she looks down at Fumiko does and is like, are they going to really dismember him? And she says, yeah. And then she says, okay, uh, can I pluck out some of his hairs or nails before it's too late? She has a pair of tweezers and nail clippers ready just immediately. It's like, yeah, his body's going to become part of the estate. I want to add to my collection. I thought you said you were a Chainsaw Man fan. Yeah, I'm a collector. Somewhere out there, somewhere out there, there was like a real legit Fumiko and a dingy shipper. 
And they are slowly kind of slinking backwards and they're like... Just shove that fanfic back down. Yeah, I've got to definitely change the way that was going to go. There's got to be some new tags now if I want to keep this going. Brainwash, uh, hypnosis, uh, <laughs> evil twin. Uh. Mirror universe, actually a cool person, Fumikoku. <laughs> uh, hang on a second. Let me just uh, edit and replace uh, Ray's. There we go. Yeah. Now it's fine. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Deji's asleep again, and once again, Puchita appears to him in the abyss, and Denji says, Puchita, I, I, I gotta get up. Puchita says, why? He says, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta save Nayuda. Save her? How can you do that without your legs? Cut to Denji's Jesus. on an operating table. Not an operating table, because it's more like a, uh, it's a, clearly a restraining table. And uh, one of his legs has been sawn off. Yes. And um, they're getting ready to saw the other one off, and they start doing so. They just take his fucking legs off. And they're like, yep, yeah, right leg 26, amputation complete. We're going to start on right leg 27. So Jesus. they're just constantly taking his legs off and regrowing them. They're going to make their own chainsaw men. Mm, like starfish. Yeah. Or, ew. Um, gross. And uh, at the same time, when I read this, I was like, all right, Fujimoto. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He's, he's, used, he's, used to you doing this. He's, yeah, he's, going, okay. he's going for it. Yeah, never would I have expected Fujimoto to take an important character's legs off. He never does that. <laughs> no, just, an important character losing their limbs? Never. Never. Just so long as Denji doesn't, after this, start to like, think that he's Jesus, basically. <laughs> so, uh, I do like how there is an agent who is smoking in the corner, and one of the surgeons is like, no smoking during the operation. <laughs> it might be bad for the patient or what. He just says it's because it's distracting him, whatever. Um, but uh, the guy says, like, look, I'm under orders to kill Chainsaw Man if he flees. Uh, and then he goes on to say, this is the Tokyo <laughs> Devil Detention Center. He, he has to drop a little exposition at that just point. A little bit. Since, or maybe it's the doctor saying this actually, like just say like, "Come on." Whatever, yeah, but, maybe but, that is because. But I do maybe. like they got the, the idea that this this uh, eye patch guy. He's like, I have two jobs here. One is to kill Chainsaw Man if he ever flees. Two, I'm here to give you a tour of the building you work in. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where they operate. <laughs> and this is where the operations happen. <laughs> it looks like they're about to do, perform a surgery right now. <laughs> the surgeon has like. Let's not. Interrupt them if he takes The surgeon has a leg in their hand. They're like, this cannot be what your job is. Just dripping blood through every hallway in the facility. Look, you have to understand, being a devil hunter is not a particularly um, sought position. So you got to accept my quirks where they come, but this job position does not get filled. I don't even need this eye patch, but... Uh... <laughs> I actually sharpie this scar on every morning. Um, sometimes I sometimes I put it on the other side to see if anyone notices, and so far they haven't. Also, it cannot be comfortable for him to have one of the straps of the eye patch going across his nose. That's whatever. Those might also be drawn on. 
It's just a bunch of... I'm here for three jobs. I'm here to kill Chainsaw Man, if you please. I'm here to give you a tour of the building you've worked in. And I'm here to draw all over my face with this Sharpie and then smell it for a while. And then when I pass out, you have to stop operating on Chainsaw Man because I can't do the first thing anymore. I can still do my second task, though. Even passed down high on marker fumes, I know this building backwards and forwards. I know, this one, like the back of my hand, which I've also drawn on a whole bunch. <laughs> the bathrooms are that way. Or that. You know what? The bathrooms aren't important. I've never pissed anywhere that hasn't been my own pants before. <laughs> you have to accept my eccentricities, otherwise I quit. <laughs> Yoshida's just like sitting in a room crying. He's like, I hate this job so much. Why am I the most normal fucking <laughs> member of this agency? Why does he outrank me? <laughs> oh god shut up and get me more magic markers <laughs> uh anyway one of them says to the other this is the tokyo devil detention center since its founding no devil has ever escaped this facility armed personnel are on site around the clock the detention center is prepared for any contingency even this recent chainsaw man incident was no exception it would take a war to compromise this facility's safety. And we see, just outside the facility, a pair of legs. Uh, presumably young teenage female legs. Uh, presumably Asa legs. Unless the it would take a war is the most ridiculous misdirection ever. I was gonna it's awesome. I, I was going to say. <laughs> or it, Yoru. Yeah, what wh whatever phase they're in. Although I assume it would be Asa based off of uh, how much more she feels like she's taking control, uh, and then Yoru probably puts in there. This shot's awesome, and that line mm -hmm. is awesome. If it is anyone but her, I would be furious. I would be so annoyed if the next chapter opens and they're like, "Oh, actually, it's Fammy," and I'm like, "Fuck you! Don't do this to me!" I someone has to save Denji. <laughs> I can't read, I can't spend another chapter just watching him get dissected and then be like, don't worry, help will come eventually. It's okay. It'll be, they'll get here before, cha before leg number 53 gets taken off. <laughs> yeah, we'll only take off uh, a half, uh, a half a uh, hundred and then we'll, 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 we'll chill back for a little bit. <laughs> Give it time to yep. rest. All right. Uh, Nick, let's talk about Eden Zero. This is going to be chapter 277, Fading Mother. Uh, I had to mm. remind myself if I had read this chapter because I could not remember anything about it. Uh, it turns out I did, so, uh, that's not mm. a great sign. But we open with a two-page spread of a big, ominous sound effect that goes gworm. Uh, basically... The cosmos uh, that they're in is warping. Space itself is changing, and it feels deeply, deeply uncomfortable. As noted by Moskoy, who goes, it feels massively yucky. Yep. Uh, everyone about Eden's Zero is commenting. They're like, what is going on? What is happening? Did something happen to Shiki? And uh, Hermit says, no, I think something worse than that is happening. The ether is rapidly declining throughout the cosmos. I think something might have happened to Mother. And Laguna's like, well, what does this mean? She responds, it means if we keep losing ether at this weight, humans will not be able to survive in the near future, and then robots won't be able to either. Uh, and a bunch of characters react to it. 
um, what's his name? Weiss is like, oh, Aggie, this happened there, Shiki, do something. Uh, and we see Mother is starting to vanish. She is, uh, you know, there's a big rumbling sound effect and all this sort of stuff. And uh, we go over to Shiki's group and Happy's just like, do you think this was like the best idea? Did we make the right choice? <laughs> uh, and Rebecca's like, well, look, like, yes, we had to do this because if not, we would have lost all of our friends again. Like, we can't let that happen. And Shiki's just smiling all the way through this. There's there's no dramatic tension. This is Haruma yeah. kind of like <laughs> looking and he's like, don't worry. Yeah, we still have enough time in the fourth quarter or something like that. Except but, every but so it, often it, Haruma was wrong. <laughs> well, it would be like if instead instead of him saying that, he would, you know, it would be like, oh, my God, they just scored. It's like, ah, well, it's, it's plenty of time. It's fine. No one be worried. This all according to plan. Actually, I predicted the exact final score. Uh because he says, we first had to make sure our now wasn't going to change. And uh, he says, I trust Mother. I believe she'll make sure she gets the results she promised. Or I get the results she promised. In other words, I made sure that everyone who's alive in this universe stays alive. But I'm also planning to save Mother as well. Uh, shocker of shockers. He's going to do it. Rebecca is only now just like, wait, wait, how? Again, the tension in the scene's just not there because nobody's really able to react to it. Like, I don't, maybe just Hero couldn't conceptualize how these people should be, like, really panicking if the only person who knows Shiki's plan was himself, but, um... There's also the I, the fact that everyone says like, oh man, according to my machine readings or whatever, all the ether is fading from the universe, and it's like, well, why does that mean? Oh, space is being weird. Yeah. Okay. Is there some other effect you can possibly conceive of in your entire imagination about what would happen if the source of all energy in the universe suddenly went out? Just like cut to some planets and the way that like suddenly life is reacting to the absence of an energy source that has been around for 10,000 years is suddenly gone. So oh, space is weird. Yeah. Just... <laughs> You could have spent this entire chapter building up like, oh, my God, what a horrible idea this was. Shiki made the wrong choice. Everything's going to slowly starve out and die and there will be nothing left. And then the last couple of pages, you could say, is like, don't worry, guys, I've got a plan. We're going to save everyone and we're going to save mother. And then just you know, end it there. It's like we have enough time for there to be like the sense of like, oh, my God, there's all he this figured out happening. a third way. And then it's like, it's okay, guys, Shiki's found a third way. And as opposed to, like, a third of the way through this was like, oh, no, Shiki knows what he's doing. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, so they, they patch them uh, into the Eden Zero because he wants everyone to be able to hear his plans. Uh, there's a brief moment, at least, where Wise is like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? I appreciate that. Again, more characters should be like, Shiki, what is happening right now? Uh, and he's like, look, just listen to me. Uh... I'm going to change mother back to her original form, basically. Uh, and that's, she said herself, that's what we have to do to save her. And they're like, what? Uh, he has to explain again that mother is a planet, but that means if she gets eaten by a chronophage, we could change her back to her human form. So they're going to do the old mother into a planet thing again. <laughs> the old chestnut. That's right. It's not a sex thing. Not a sex thing. Uh, so 
All right, big monster, I need you to eat that giant mommy. It's not a sex thing. It's not a sex thing. Just swallow her whole, though. Just, just, just vore her <laughs> <Yeah>. right up. <laughs> They're like, well, now that you're using the term vore, I can't help but feel it's a little bit of a fetish. Look, de-age that woman. It's not a sex thing. <laughs> oh, no. We're getting into age play. Um... So why is this like, wait, but based on what you told us, that planet was dying and had to use the last of its power to overdrive into Mother. If you change her back to a planet, it's going to repeat the exact same thing. And Cheeky's like, you're right. Mother has already been eaten into a chronophage and turned back into a planet before. For all we know, it's happened more than that. Maybe a bunch of times. But this time, we will stop the planet from being destroyed. Um, And Sister Witch is like, not Witch, Sister is like, how would we and the answer is just our technology must be good enough to save it right <laughs> like surely in our hyper advanced world if we went back uh we would just fix things and it's it's a very naive sentiment that uh implies that we don't have the technology to fix things ourselves uh and not that evil people have been continuously letting these things happen because uh it makes them more profits but Sure, we're gonna. We have future tech. We have replicators. We can solve the the hunger crisis and the energy crisis. Everything will be okay. We're gonna go back and do it. And they'll definitely work because all of our technology works off of Ether Gear, which we'll still have when Mother is gone. Because yes. Yeah. Anyways, uh, they know. Hey, uh, how are we gonna do that? Like, we're how like are we gonna be able to do like. How are we going to get the chronophage here? Are we going to do Operation uh, Planet Eater? Like, that only worked because the chronophage happened to be nearby. And uh, I don't know who says this. Maybe it is just Hermit herself who says, wait, if we do it that way, we might be able to get a chronophage into this cosmos. So they connect Shiki over to Ziggy. And he's like, hey. Uh, did you just erase mother, you bitch? And uh, Shiki's like, no, she's, I'm going to save her. But I have to ask a favor from you. You have to keep that guy busy. Because if he figures out what we're up to, we're going to be in trouble. Uh, and Ziggy just flies up and I guess kills him. He doesn't kill him, but he punches him in the head so fast, like his neck snaps, it looks like. It's it's just one of those like, moments. Oh, yeah, well. Well, uh, yeah, I think I could do that for you, Shiki. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's like, "Oh, you didn't say so. I, I just killed him. That's okay, right?" Uh, he just says back, "Nothing could be easier. It's just bad action." Uh, hey, Rebecca, we're gonna need your help to summon the Chronophage again. Do you think it'll work? Yes, I know it will. And I have one last job to do. After we've gotten everything to work, I'm gonna destroy the Chronophage. Whoa. This is so weird because multiple reasons. First off, there is a full page dedicated to Shiki saying, I'm going to destroy that chronophage. Like it's been the chronophage that has been the source of all of our woes this entire series. These monsters. Uh, in this 200 chapter, two, oh, nearly 300 chapter series, how many times has a chronophage been portrayed as evil? It's just a force of fucking nature. Yeah. It's like saying, and after we're done, I'm going to kill that hurricane. Well, it's like, yes, it caused a lot of weird <laughs> stuff to be happening, but it's like, it's not evil. It's just a thing that Fuck. happens. I want to see that series where there's a whole fucking adventure and at the end of like, we're going to kill the hurricane. Kill the hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean. Stupid eyes. Is that not? 
it's not, not real. What okay. Whatever. It's not real. Just let him. He needs some. He needs an energy outlet. Uh, so I agree with you. It is very strange. How much do you want to say right now that they won't add a level of sentience to the chronophage? Which oh, Shiki what it, to fight uh, they've got to. There is no way that Hero can't do that. He's turned dragons into people. He's he's turned planets into people. If it's a thing that they're like, I'm going to kill that, he's going to make it probably weirdly sexual. Like, it's it's got to happen. The chronophage uh, has a riding crop and, and like, assless chaps. And he's like, I like to eat people's planets and then look at their titties. Like, oh, uh, no, we have to stop this man. Also, as as some people have pointed out uh, in the chat, like they, uh, as the Fox's Cloak has said, yeah, like every time that they've encountered a, cr- a, a chronophage, it's actually like helped them. Like it hasn't caused like any massive like loss for them. I mean, if we had at any point actually seen like the negative consequences of a planet being eaten and losing a huge chunk of time, like if you got an actual proper visual, maybe of like people regressing into nothing as they get de-aged, then that would be something. But nothing bad has ever happened in this series because of a chronophage. We got two Weisses out of one. That was a good thing. <laughs> yeah, what a blessing for us. Uh, there was, wasn't one, uh, didn't one attack um, the planet they fought Shuron. Wasn't that part of why they had to get out of there so quick? I feel like it was yes. like a time thing once, but they... They didn't seem to indicate, like, too many sacrifices had to be made as the result of that. Also, I think they blew the planet up. So did it even matter? Right, because there was a bomb. I don't think that, like, they don't, there's never been, like, an important character who's, like, died or, you know, turned, become nothing because a chronophage ate a planet, for example. Yeah. Uh, so it's... Well, there, pro- yeah, like, there probably is some bullshit character we've forgotten about. They're like, oh, sure. oh my god, you guys, don't you, how could you forget... Uh, Orc, remember he sacrificed himself and Eggbot. Eggbot was a loyal soldier before, <laughs> before the Chronophage ate the planet or whatever. Just give me some reason to be like, yeah, she could kill that Chronophage as opposed to like, why? Yeah. Why does it matter? <laughs> He's Who Obviously, yes, he could fuck you up by like undoing good work you do if you get everything exactly perfect i understand the logic there i just don't understand how this is supposed to be an emotional thing that i'm supposed to look forward to you killing the chronophage yeah uh i i don't know but this is the direction that we're going so we shall see uh eden zero not great let's talk about dear anemone dear anemone it's chapter two mutation so last time, yeah, we, we get a little bit of a recap of, hey, there's this group of people that are on the Galapagos Islands. They've been sent there to investigate some weird explosion that's caused a bunch of weird mutations to occur. And a big monster was uh, killing people until Anemone, which is a proper flower, uh, had some of our main character's blood spilled on it and uh, saved him by killing the monster thing. And we get a more proper look at it and see that it is actually like rooted in his body. Uh, which happened when his blood spilled on it. It's now attached to him. This fucked with me so much because the entirety of the last chapter, the way I read it, is that creature did kill this kid and his blood fell into the flower and that he evolved into this thing. Mm. Did not get that he survived that at all until this chapter happened. I was like, wait, didn't that character die? And they're like, no, two different characters. 
I mean, he was like being squeezed hard enough for his blood to drip down in giant rivulets onto the flower and bathe it red. So yeah, I don't blame you for thinking. <laughs> Uh, the anemone is like, ah, oh, human, your blood has quenched my thirst. Cool. Uh, and, uh, then she demands, like, you're going to be my legs from now on. It's like, you're going to, so, like, I guess she can't move around without him. I guess she could stretch out to a certain extent, but he's got to actually walk her around and stuff. And, and she says, you're, you're seeking the laboratory, aren't you? And they're like, yeah, flashback. There was a lab that this happened, and we're supposed to do data retrieval from the lab and stuff. That's where the explosion started, right? This is kind of one of those things that's like, it wasn't important, I guess, to the previous chapter, but it's a little bit weird that they're remembering it now, after not thinking about what they're actually here to do at all in the previous chapter. Anyway, uh, so, they're like, oh yeah, we're supposed to like get some data from there, and uh, and uh, yeah, once you get there, uh, I'm gonna make another explosion. They're like, Why? And she says, well, I obtained awareness through that explosion and these powers, but I am not free. I am dependent on others to move. I am not satisfied. I wish to kill and gorge freely. I will change to become a higher order organism. I am not asking you to take me. I am ordering you to. As I'm sure you don't want to end up like that. She just gestures to the thing she's killed. And is like, all right, fair enough. She, she will kill you if you yeah. don't do it. Um, so it's our main character and two others. Uh, one is a nervous guy, but understandably so. His guns got crushed and didn't kill anything, and he doesn't want to die. And then there is the very tired-looking woman, uh, who seems much more level-headed about stuff and is just like you know following a you know device to to find stuff. Uh, nervous guy complains about like stuff's not natural and and everything. Uh, calm girl uh, says to protagonist guy like so how does it feel to have a freaking monster inside of you? <laughs> Understandable question. Uh, as they're going along what, suddenly uh, they they're, get, they get close to a, the lab and then uh, one of them gets yoinked into a, a puddle nearby and then the other one gets yoinked into it so it's just protagonist uh, to, instead. To be clear, it's not a puddle. It it, it does look like it is uh, it's the shore. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to be very clear. This isn't like a JoJo stand where it's like, huh, where did my friend go? There's only a puddle of water here. Wait, when did that water get here? I'm already it's inside of 98 degrees stands territory. Ah. It is presumably the ocean. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, uh, he starts making a fuss and then an anemone appears and is like, stop complaining. Why are you, why are you complaining about stuff? Wait a minute. The lab's here. All right. Good job. Yeah, let's go. Wait, why are you so... What was? What's up with you? What are you freaking out for? And it's like, oh my god, it pulled them into the water. Who gives a fuck? Let's go. Just <laughs> <laughs> immediately, like, so let's go. Come who on, get, right who, get, who gives a shit? You don't even care enough about these characters to learn their names. Yeah, and protagonist guy is like, but we need to save them. It's like, why? It's not going to help me at all. It'll be a waste. No, abandon the weak. They're not worth saving. I mean, from her point of view, yes, that makes perfect sense. Sure. Uh, protagonist guy is like you can't be serious you can't be serious and he just jumps into the water and uh immediately comes across this just mass of tentacles and like starfish mouths and stuff uh and anemone is trailing off of him um there is a, a very weird visual that then happens 
because we see him reacting to it and then Anemone reacting to it. And she does. It looks like one half of her face looks a lot like him in this one shot. Uh, well, she's, but I think it's just they're, they're, they're made out of his blood. I think that that is I think that they just are drawn with the same eyes. It's just that she's normally making narrow eyed expressions, which could to contrast her with him. And in this one, she's making an, a, a face uh, so that they resemble each other more. Now, I think, uh, do we know what this character, if this character has a gender identity of any kind? It's a flower. <laughs> so not really. Okay. Um, I, I am kind of shorthanding it. I, I admit uh, it could very well end up being that. Yes, they just don't, don't have any form of, recognition of gender also they're a plant which are kind of both so it's very true um so i didn't really talk a ton about this series i feel like we were a little short on time we have a little bit of time this week uh so i will kind of condense i guess my thoughts for the two weeks here which is uh this series is uh very dark uh in a way that i was like shocked this was a jump series i thought this was like an astro baby kind of moment where i was like oops i read a a manga plus series instead uh and then i was like oh no this is this is different this chapter feels a lot more in in tone with what you'd expect for the show to jump series like hey i know i have an evil spirit or whatever inside of me um but i'm gonna go save my friends uh so you're gonna come with me and the friendship is what matters uh so like you know this idealistic boy you know will he save the day who knows this might be like um uh attack on titan you know when aaron gets eaten <laughs> you know three <laughs> chapters into it or whatever uh, i'm assuming just, not but. anemone just attaches themselves to one of the others and is like fine you you be my legs get yeah. out of here. <laughs> um i don't have like a of, of super vested interest in things. I think the the premise is intriguing. I like this idea of like, ah, a series about evolution and set in the Galapagos Islands. And like, that's sort of the, the, the constriction we're working around. Like, I think there's a lot of potential here. Um, but I'm just not super vibing with this series right now. I, I think it doesn't help that it doesn't feel that different from Fabricant 100, which was a series with a very sort of similar, like, I am the monster, but I will protect you because I have a vested interest in it uh, kind of thing. And that My goals are my own, though. I definitely don't care about you, and that's not going to, and the development of me caring about you is not going to be a core tenet of this series. Yeah. Now, that's it. I have no idea how Fabricant 100 ended. It could have ended with her being like, that's all 100! Oh! <laughs> Uh, which, hey, I'm all for if that's what happened. Uh, don't let me know in the comments. Um, but I, I'm still not just super on board with what this series is doing. It's kind of it's kind of just there right now. It, there hasn't been the moment a moment yet that's maybe go, oh, yeah, uh, yet. Um, I mean, there's there's enough going on. that's like, hey, this is, you know, pretty competently done so far. Uh, the artwork is more than passable. Uh, it's you know there is a very good consistent dark and different tone to everything um but i think that part of it thus far is that the characters as we've gotten to know them are just kind of bodies uh so far uh there isn't anything really about them that stands out as being very exceptional uh the only real characterization we've gotten is just kind of very straightforward they're a shonen protagonist kind of thing you know this is a 
a really crappy world, but they still have a streak of idealism to them to try and save people at the risk of their own life, even if they're basically complete strangers. Uh, anyway, let's move on yeah, to the, Green Green Greens. I, I just want to add Ninja's uh, thought here, which is th- this does kind of feel like a forgettable Halloween month recommendation. <laughs> like, hey, you guys should go check out this. I'm like, that was fine. Yeah. It was it was okay. Yeah, forget about it by the end of the year. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, see. we'll see. What was Dear Anemone, Nick? <laughs> Chapter 12 of Green Green Greens. First... Uh, so, hey, everyone from the driving range is uh, going on this golf tournament. And so they're like, yeah, hey, this is, you know, it's Yesaki's first tournament. So it's a big welcome for him. And so uh, they established the groups, which are uh, uh, Haku are, is going to be with Oga. <laughs> um, the girl that we've been introduced to most recently, she's got all the hair class and stuff. And then... Th- the kind of calm guy that we have uh, gotten to meet. Uh, oh, no, no. Wait, this is... That's just Oliver, right? Did he uh, end up going with yeah, him? Yeah, Oliver, sir. Uh, that is him. I didn't recognize him from his chibi version. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, and, he's, uh, in, the, he's in the group shot we see before that. Right. Uh, and Shikara is in the other group, and I like how he's just drawn bigger than the others. Yeah. Like, just a massive head. <laughs> so much so, the person in front of him is, like, weighed down by it. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, it's 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 Haku's first, like, official golf course you know, hole. So it's like, hey. So he's like, hey, a par four here. So, hey, if I do this in three shots, I can get a birdie. So that, that that's my goal. I want to just get a birdie. While Oga's here, and then and that's will and I'll do it without letting anyone know that's my plan. I'm sure he's probably going to let someone know that's his plan at some point, but whatever. Uh, we do get this just well, nice he, shot. He, of, he lets what's her name know. It's his, it's it's their plan even within the the chapter, I believe. Mm. Uh, so we do get a shot of him like taking in like the actual golf course for the first time. Nice. It's just nice to know. It's like scale. It's important it's... to understand. When you're playing golf and you have to go- travel 400 yards to reach your destination, the view from above, Nick, you got, you gotta, you gotta see it. This is, this is the view that makes it so intriguing and and exciting. Uh, it's golf, so <laughs> <laughs> look, this series is doing a great job of trying Absolutely. to make golf exciting. So yeah, I'm gonna there's... give it that. There is a big note of like, I understood like, oh, you got to hit a ball into a hole that's far away. I just didn't understand what they meant by far away yeah. until now. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, he, he they let him tee off first and he drives the ball and we do get a very nice kind of like page and a quarter spread of just the arc of his shot. It looks really cool. Uh, goes right on the green, uh, not on the green, but on he's on the range, and it's a it's a very well hit ball, and uh, he again is just like you know I never really realized like how far you actually drive the ball because it always just hits the net when I'm at the driving range. This feels so good, you know, just like seeing it what I do when I hit it and stuff. Um, and uh, then they're like, okay, yeah, time for the next shot. And he's like, whoa, yeah, we all finished start taking our shots too. We we're all, we're finished driving. Let's, uh, You're the only let's, one let's... that's having like a slightly religious experience right, right now. This is just Tuesday for the rest of us. Uh, so let's do the most boring part of the golf in one panel and then move on, which is just <laughs> move, moving between shots. Um, 
and uh yeah everyone proceeds with their with their approaches they do like again establish one of the rules which is like oh yeah shot order is based on whoever is furthest from the green uh and stuff uh they uh also bring up uh a range finder thing where it's like oh yeah yeah i've got this so that you know like we can tell how far it's done it's just like hey here's another little thing about golf a range finder mm -hmm. they use them uh, and now, and again, Haku is like, oh man, I, I thought it would be like impossible to actually get the ball in the hole with just three shots, but I can actually already see the flag at the hole. I'm, I'm way closer from before. Uh, so then they're like, okay, yeah. So, uh, it's your first day. It's your first hole. What you, what you trying to do here? And he's like a birdie. I want to get a birdie today. I want to get a birdie today. And she laughs at him. It's like, oh man, all right. Yeah, okay, yeah, go for it. Cool. Um, but she does say, like, hey, you've got a chance. You know, you're only 155 yards away. You what you do what's uh you know which club you want to use for that? And he's like, Yeah, I, I know exactly which club. I, I I've used this one tons of times. And he pulls out a freaking nine iron. Uh and uh Is that so, a, is that a, I know nothing about golf clubs. Is that a nine iron is Generally speaking, the shortest distance club for long shots, uh, like a, a a one iron would be the one that you would do for like really big horizontal shots, okay. and that's very rudimentary, basic information. That's as far as I know. So, uh, based off this thought process, if I invented like a negative six iron, it would go even further. Nick, I think that we've discovered a loophole in this system, and we can make a lot of money. It has to do with the way that it affects the arc of the shot. So, mm. like, you're always... If you swing your arms, like, just as hard on any of them because of the different, like, surface and weight of the club, that's what affects the arc. So, so a negative would... iron may not work, but a zero iron, who said yes. that the irons uh, had to go from one to ten? <laughs> You just like hit it along the ground at high speed. <laughs> I, I have little rockets in my my golf ball. They're like, well, this is you're just cheating now. And I'm like, no, no, it's a zero iron. So Haku is like, all right, I've been practicing. I know how to hit it to the net, and I've been drilling like crazy. So he like just kind of like visualizes the backing net, and he's like, I know how far I need to hit it, and I've been putting practicing like crazy i can get this birdie and he hits with his club and he leaves a big divot in the grass just miss hits it doesn't hit the ball dead on and sends the ball tumbling forward like 10 feet yeah and uh he gets assured like hey that's just the way it goes sometimes shake it off to shake it off and uh, he does not shake it off. Uh, he sends the ball into the trees. They establish like, yeah, you got to take some penalties. He goes chopping away at it in grass and finally gets onto the green. And by the end of it, he's panting for breath. And Oliver says, yeah, you finally made it. <laughs> I do like how Oga seems to legitimately say like good work. And, like it's, it's very dry. So it kind of always reads a little sarcastic. But there's a part of me that's like, I think she is legitimately kind of excited for him to get to the green. Like. This isn't an easy thing. You're a first time. You golfing. didn't give up. Yeah. Because that was like, that's always been like her initial assessment of him is like, you don't understand the hard work. And he's doing the hard work now. Yeah. She's like, hey, good job. Good job. Um, he establishes that uh, he kind of has lost count of how many times he's been hitting it. But they, but they say like, I'm keeping track. 
and uh, they also established like, yeah, Oliver got par, Oga got par, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll finish up really quickly. And they're like, hey, don't worry about it. We're the last group. You don't have to rush in order to finish up. Just take your time. So everyone's being really nice and supportive to him, which yeah. is good. Uh, but Haku is reflecting on the fact like, oh, I'm last again. And he just thinks about when he was that chubby little kid who finished last in the race. Aww. He's like, I just I tried so hard and I'm just making a fool of myself again. Um, everyone's watching still and and uh, they're like, huh, well, Haku could probably get there in like three, four strokes, maybe. Uh, he's got a long way to go with his putting. This is like his first actual putting attempt. And for a second, Haku thinks to himself, I wish I'd never tried. It's like, Aww. But then he says, that's how he used to think. Yay! And he gets into his left-handed stance, which catches Oliver off guard because Oga's the only one who saw him with the left-handed putting. And he think, and Haku thinks, that's not me anymore. My luck, my skill, my successes, my failures, my effort, and my talent, they're all me. No matter what happens... I choose to accept who I am. And he putts and he sinks it in one go. His first putting attempt on a proper golf course, one and done from nine yards out, which is not an easy putt yeah. for, uh, for, an, for an amateur to make. Uh, and they're like, wow, yeah. And uh, the new girl says, like, I could only do that like one in 15 times. That's, that's a good shot. Uh, Oliver chalks it up to, to, to beginner's luck. Oga says, nice putt. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do love the outlook that Haku has here because he, he recaps what has happened between all the penalties that he had to take and the, you know, going into the grass, going into the trees and stuff. He says, it was a total of 15 strokes. So a score on my first hole was plus 11. Not so good. I've had that in mini golf, though. It's okay. Mm. I, I understand. You got it's. It's about the upwards climb. You know, you got to dust yourself off and get ready for the next time. And instead of getting down on himself, Haku thinks my first shot and my putt were perfect. If my second shot had just been perfect too, there's 17 more holes. I'm gonna get that birdie. It's like, yeah, hell yeah, Haku, go get it. Look how exciting it is. It's so obnoxious that this series is actually making me excited for the sport of golf. Like, that's how much I'm enjoying it. And I'm just like, fuck. I'm sitting here like, yes, 17 more holes. He can do this. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Next time, maybe, you know, pick a different club. I, I'm, I hate it, but I love it. It's it's very, very good. This series is excellent. I did, I haven't looked at what its ranking is. I think I'm, uh, there's a part of me that's like, Maybe I'll just never know. It'll just be a pleasant surprise, but I'm sure someone will. It's end. not bottom three, and that's all that Yay. matters right now. <laughs> that's all that matters. We might get to 40 chapters. Look, I consider it a success if you could duplicate what CrossManage did. Yeah, yeah, true enough. Yeah. All right, let's move on to New Sexorcist, chapter 39, uh, Gakuro Selection. Uh, so yeah, Nui has appeared in uh, Gakuro's uh, internal world to give him an option of a power to use. Uh, and she says like, yeah, you're in trouble right now. The only thing I can do is grant you a new power. So choose from one of these. They've got helpful symbols on them that uh, is the meaning. Darn explained, yeah. Yep. Uh, so she's uh, she, Gakuro's like, oh, it's just I just get to choose my new power. And Nui says, well, normally a hollow weapons growth doesn't cause this kind of selection process, but you're special, Gakuro. You're a special boy. Uh, 
And I'm the special says, boy. Actually, I'm the special one, and you're you're not special now. Uh, I'm the unspecial boy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, she says that the seal binding her is also interfering with his growth. <laughs> That's what so my high school yearbook said. <laughs> I was most likely to be unspecial. Like Kakura, you're still in high school. They did it in elementary school. They took the picture. They knew. They knew. They saw the writing on the wall. Uh, but Nui basically says, yeah, so there's dud abilities mixed in here. Basically, they're all of my abilities and they would work for you later on, but you're not at the level where you can actually properly utilize them. So only one of these will actually work. The other two are going to be duds for you. Uh, and at worst, uh, your body would suffer necrosis and that would be bad. Would it? Yeah. Would it really? <laughs> if the series just ended? That's okay. I lost an arm fully in the last chapter. I'm okay. Uh, Gakuro says, Do you know which of the abilities are the duds? And Noah's like, No, that's why I'm telling you to choose. I know it's there for us, the audience, <laughs> to like pick up on, but it is one of these things to like, why would you think she would just tell you? <laughs> like, Gakuro, my stupid, stupid little boy. If she knew, she would have told you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, he she says, like, yeah, look, you're allowed to pass on this, and I can see that you're determined to win without this special power. And Gakuro's like, yeah, but I do suck, and I'll die if I don't do this. So, yeah, I'll choose, I'll choose, I'll choose. I'll choose this one. I don't have a reason. It's just a feeling. And so she's like, okay, yeah, go back to reality. Uh, you're going to forget what happened here. So, okay. Yeah. Also, congratulations, you chose correctly. How do you know that? <laughs> well, you she, said you didn't know. <laughs> she has a feeling as well. <laughs> well, I think it seems like she's also trying to test his, like, sixth sense kind of thing here. Like, because he doesn't have a logic. He's like, I just have a gut feeling. This is the right one. Um, he also he also says that he feels like Nui actually narrowed down the options for him yes. prior to this. Because there, uh, there was like, you know, she she curbed a lot of the options to be like, it's one of these three, but I don't know which one. But it was like one of 116 before, you know, just in case we need we get bored of this form change from Gakuro and need another new one the next time he fights. Uh, so, yeah, she congratulates them on choosing correctly and says, you're growing much faster than I expected. Protect everyone and protect Shitatsu. And so Gakuro comes out of the vision. He's got his arm back and he's got a new outfit. And this one, wouldn't you know it, Quinn, actually does look this, different from the previous one he was wearing. This actually has a visually distinct difference. This is great. Uh, so, yeah, we can actually tell he had a form change. Isn't that nice? He deflects the third form spirit's weird weapon thing, uh, just as we saw him starting to do in the previous chapter. Uh, and people are like, oh my god, the growth and stuff. Look at the growth of the of the weapons and abilities and stuff. She also has a flashback to when she was learning how to wield her hollow weapons, saying, oh, the second stage uh, is unlocked via anger, because anger puts the most strain on one's mental will. As people say, a hollow weapon's growth requires aggression or something similar. So she thinks, like, what were you so angry about? You're barely even angry at the enemy. Is it because I ruined the plan to save the others? Because I was so easily captured? Or perhaps you've been angry all this time. Angry at yourself for not being able to do anything back then. That's right. 
Everyone might be angry at themselves. It'll let you be superpowered like Gakuro. Be self-hating. That's a great lesson. Thanks, Manga. I wish so, I wish my internalized guilt gave me superpowers. That's the real takeaway I have here. Like, fuck. He got superpowers and I just have crippling depression for 20 years. Uh, we get helpful narration because tell tell everything don't show anything just tell everything that's going on we have to have narration that explains everything such as the progenitor of spirits had obtained a new power in the form of an apprentice and the th- the level three further focuses enhanced mental capabilities to come with a plan for victory which is all dodge that's why we're humanizing the thing now it's using like pronouns and we're looking into its internal thoughts and everything because you know we can't show never show tell tell everything so the the third form spirits like the boy will counter by unleashing his new power i'll dodge and then i'll deliver the final blow now what attack comes i'll be able to dodge and so it starts to do that and then gakuro slashes his blade and goes zeno blade and a bunch of slash marks appear all over the spirit I forget how funny the Kakuro voice is. Him having to do Hiromo. Zato Blade! Shit, what a door. I hate this kid. Uh, I wish this uh, monster could survive just long enough to give him a wedgie. Like, you suck. So the spirit's like, oh, so many slashes, but they're shallow. I can handle them. I can counter. Uh, but then she Tutsu appears on his back and like drives his head down and she goes, finish it, Gakuro. And he, he slashes and goes through the, through the thing's weapon to kill it, presumably. But before that, we get more helpful narration that explains the Xenoblade ability, saying it is an ability that showers selected targets with an onslaught of endless slashes. Gakuro's current limit on the number of selected targets is two. Why... Why is that relevant? Because he used right the now. second one to slash the tree that Shitatsu was being held to. That's what the tree in the next panel is. It's, it's cut up with all these slashes. I guess not really endless because it stopped at some point when she got free. But it's to say he used one of them on this monster and one to free her. Okay. That's we how she, that... know the limit right now. Sure. We didn't need to know anything. But they, this this was the way they felt. Oh, everything. Look. Fucking Jujutsu Kaisen already kind of stole the the formula for like, oh, I'm actually going to make it a, uni- a mechanic within our universe that you 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 should explain your powers to people because it actually makes them stronger. And no one else could do that now because you're like, fuck, you asshole. You took that from us. So now everyone else has to be like, uh, do I just have characters shout out what their abilities are like all these other series? Or do I just have a narration come in and try to explain it? And that's what we have here is a narration that's like, uh, Gakuro's ability does this. Also, it has mechanical limits. I'm sure they'll be very relevant going forward. <sighs> anyway. Um. Quinn, you want to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! for, uh, for I, five minutes? I do. I felt like I had more to say on this chapter, and then I realized I didn't. This power-up Man. kind of is whatever... Um, the series is not particularly good at action. Uh, mm. we've, this, this is just straight up. We have bleach at home kind of energy and I don't even have high thoughts on bleach as like a, a large spectrum, but this, this is the series that as it goes, I mean, they straight up are like, Hey, you have your release form now. 
uh, yeah. a little bit earlier, and you unlock it through heavy emotional turmoil, which is like a, just a show thing in general. Anyway, yes, let's talk about Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, no, not enough time to judge the very lacking art, honestly, in this action sequence. Uh, so yeah, Quinn, there is a proud tradition in all Shonen Jump gag manga that eventually they have to do a chapter that is just a Yu-Gi-Oh parody. Well, uh, we didn't wait very long to do it for this one. If so. it's successful, you make it the whole identity going forward. <laughs> yeah, that's... What successful gag manga do? (laughs) If the chapter's successful, not the manga. (laughs) Right. I mean, technically speaking, that is what Yu-Gi-Oh! did, too. (laughs) Yes. Hey, proven track record for one series, and then everything after, it's kind of been dwindling returns. Uh, So, Super Psychic Policeman Chojo, chapter number three, the senior police officer duelist. It's a Yu-Gi-Oh! parody chapter. Chojo is at a tournament called Curse and Monsters, and he's playing card game that's definitely Yu-Gi-Oh! with uh, some uh, with some kids because he is outside the target demographic of the card game. Now, so, Nick, can we can we jump back to the title page where there are our lead characters are designed as uh cards? Yes. Uh I want you to give uh your expert opinion on these two cards. I mean that Chojo's a terrible card. A two tribute, uh twenty five hundred attack and he's got a negative effect. Come the fuck on. Um classic now, Yu-Gi-Oh, classic Yu Gi Oh design. Ponchen, not great because she's a five star which means you gotta you know she doesn't have any she doesn't have a special summoning effect uh so it's kind of hard to pull her out uh but admittedly like the potential to have a five thousand attack monster for a single tribute there's at least something there and you could probably combine her with some other stuff like you know use something use like a different card to like cheat her ability uh and by by like copying it or something, you could do something with that. Chojo just sucks. Uh, that's a it's a bad design. Oh, um, I'm gonna clip that and just keep that little clip on me. Chojo just sucks. Yeah. Also, he's not psychic type. I know that the idea is that they're both like cop type monsters, basically. But come on, there is literally a psychic type and whatever. Cop cop uh, typeal is the worst type out there. I, I can't stand it. Absolutely, there's no support. Yeah. Uh, Unless you no, won't make that joke. <laughs> you won't make that joke. Oh, my God. I feel like I know where it was going. I'm just going to help you move on. Anyway, it's a cool it's card. So it's a cool card shop. I, I said the first two words and I was like, no. Nope. <laughs> it's the card shop. Kadota. Kadota, the card shop. Kadota, the owner. It's kind of funny, Nick. Yeah, he's, he named the card shop after himself. And every time that he's in a panel, he's it says the owner of Kadota. Kadota. Yep. They introduce this game, yep, and he's gonna help out uh, those guys. What is because, what uh, is what does his apron say? Uh, Kadota. Okay. Uh, so yeah, he asks Chojo, who is apparently like his friend, uh, but their friendship is based on the fact that Chojo comes to his shop and buys cards from him. Hey, they seem to get along. It seems to work out. He's like, yeah, I, I want uh, I want you to do some security for this upcoming tournament because uh, there's some very valuable cards that are going to be there and stuff. And so Chojo is just like, yes, the, some of these are very valuable cards, uh, which means that uh, I'm going to let the management deal with most of it. But if any violence breaks out, then it'll be our time to shine. Meanwhile, he's sitting up at a table to uh, play a game. And uh, she's like, why are you doing this if you're working security? No, 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 no. 
troublemakers always target the good-hearted players at tournaments. And as a duelist myself, I'm a target too, which is why I'm going to act like a little shit to all of my opponents who are literal children. And that's just like what he does through the whole chapter. He, you know, dunks on them when he's winning. He makes mean faces. He tells them to get good. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's just being the worst kind of person, which is, you know, a bully <laughs> towards children. Do you think kids love this? Like the the children who are series? presumably reading, I, I have no idea. We won't know what, how the series be respond to. But do you think the children who are reading this this chapter are like, it's funny that we suck <laughs> and we're yeah. not good? Yeah, it's great that you know this guy. We that none of these kids. I don't know. It just feels like the the the, the premise of this of this should be that he sucks at the game, but he doesn't anyway. So. The not Yugi of the chapter shows up. His name is It's My Turn, which is the best joke in the whole fucking chapter. That's 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 like, okay, good. Solid reference. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he shows up and he's like, you know, like doing Yugi things, you know, like striking cool poses and stuff. He has like the kind of goth look with like, you know, the collar and stuff. Uh, And uh, yeah, he establishes that he's got a super rare card, Archangel Teshi, which is definitely a blue eyes white dragon stand in um and uh so yeah it's like oh my god why does this kid have such a valuable car and everything and then they do a thing where they are confronting each other and then jojo's like let's settle things in a match and they like strike poses and stuff uh but and then jojo's like oh by the way uh uh my stomach hasn't been feeling great since this morning you know so that he has an excuse in case he loses yep uh but then as uh as it's my turn uh, is uh, looking at his deck, he realizes, oh, wait a minute, my Teshi is gone! It's been stolen! Uh, so Jojo's like, oh, yes, and so he he reads mind and is immediately like, that's the guy, Ipongi, and points out who a guy who is very obviously suspicious, he's wearing a full mask and ski cap, and Ipongi uses her judo and takes him down, and it turns out like, ah, I see, he was deliberately being a dick to these children so that then someone would try and show him up by showing off a rare card so that he could draw out the thief. Ha ha! And then he goes, penalty! And he uses his psychic powers to put voices in the guy's head. And Ipongi's like, you're just copying Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes, that is the joke. That is the joke of what is happening. It's Yu-Gi-Oh references. Thank you, Ipongi. That is what is happening. Uh, So... Then Jojo's like, ah, my work is done. Uh, and so he establishes that this was all part of his plan, and he doesn't actually want to participate in the tournament. He was just doing his job to protect everyone. And then it's my turn. It's like, ah, let's have a rematch next time. And Jojo waves goodbye to them. And it's like, ah, oh, it's like, no matter what you say, the people you save understand just how kind you are, even if you don't know it yourself. And then they play at Kudota's shop owned by Kudota, and immediately Jojo goes back to being a little shit and using cheap tactics in order to win. Okay, so uh, that's uh, that's the chapter there, uh, Quinn. Well, now, Nick, doesn't this just remind you about how much you love Yu-Gi-Oh? I mean, yes, but also no. Um, Fair. Um, so we have now finished the third chapter of Super Select super psychic policeman Chojo. And after three chapters of a new series, we at Weekly Longer Recap had to ask ourselves, do we want to keep talking about this series? Now, uh, just to kind of dramatically stack the deck, 
Uh, gag manga historically not particularly uh, popular here at at at, at uh, Weekly Manga Recap. It's very difficult to talk about a gag manga week to week. There's a lot of uh, lack of content beyond saying like that joke was funny, that joke wasn't, um, and also uh, they're just you know subjective. So. Will we start talking about super psychic police policeman Ch- uh, Chojo? So Nick has uh, held his phone up for those of you listening, uh, and it just has a, a big no on it. it. Actually, focused really well. That was very clear. Uh, now, of course, this is a group consensus. If I wanted to add it, we would have to have a discussion. Uh, unfortunately, I uh, I'm not that kind of sadomasochist. I do not want to read this series. This was not particularly entertaining. Uh, I didn't find this chapter to be much better than the other two. I guess it was slightly better because it kind of falls into that wheelhouse of like, remember this thing that you're nerdy about? So am I, which is kind of like the premise of the entire series of me and Roboco. But me and Roboco usually also just has better jokes. The series just doesn't. More charming um, characters and yeah. Yeah. So I think that this is not a series we're going to keep talking about in the recap. Um, but I wish nothing but the best for super psychic policeman Chojo. Actually, I don't. He's a cop. I hope he fucking dies. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, that's it then. Uh, we will be saying goodbye to super psychic policeman Chojo. Um, uh, yeah. Stay, right. stay tuned for next week to find out what happens to Dear and Enemy. It's probably the same. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, two on Ice, Chapter 21. Uh, so I guess we're going to remember that, you know, pale guy that, uh, that that got introduced at the party a few chapters ago. Mukau? He's here again. Yeah. Yeah. He's here again. He's 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 he. He's a character now. He's he's going to make more this, than one appearance. The, the, the series is running for a little bit longer, so he's he's a allowed to longer. be a character. Yeah. So, um, we actually, in fact, get a flashback for one page that focuses mostly on him, uh, just kind of like establishing, you know, some of his like motivation for being a pairs skater, which is like, yeah, I always have, like stood out because I'm so pale, but I blend in on the rink, uh, and that's the only reason that I like skating and stuff and uh he's talking with say who of course is the big ace who uh, for japan who uh was in the olympics uh previously and she says hey why don't you like do singles then if if, if you if you feel like that uh why do you do pairs and he says well the men in pairs go unnoticed maybe i won't stand out so just continuing the thing of like i want to do stuff but i don't want everyone to like stare at me so he has shown up along with some other skaters to watch Ayuma and Kisara, who are kind of making their like unofficial debut proper as a pair because they've been practicing all the pair moves and stuff. And they're going to demonstrate them for a lot of the people we met at that party uh, who are all gathered here, including Sei, who has officially at this point retired from the uh, from, from pro skating. It's established that they got 10th at the Beijing Olympics. Oh, well. Um, and uh, they're like, at first we didn't plan to use music, but say okayed it right away when I asked for a favor. And so we get the title of the song that they're performing to. In the chapter title, You'll Never Walk Alone, uh, which has been covered by lots of 
popular artists. Like I, I had a hard time when I was actually trying to find out what version they must have been skating to because it's been covered by like Elvis mm-hmm. uh, and he and a lot of other people. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so they start doing their pair moves and and, and stuff, uh, transitioning, uh, and Yagima's telling himself like, "I got to be in sync." Uh, and they he's establishing like okay this is the way the, that we have to go into this the guy spins the girl overhead since the girl lifts off par- parallel to the rink she's in a position where she can't land on her own so I've got to be there to to catch her she's fully trusting herself in me and so they do the first big move the single twist lift and it, it's like oh hey you know it wasn't pretty but they did it safely they they did it properly uh, then they go into the pair spin uh, where they're you know very close to each other. Uh, and uh, they go into the spin, and it's like, oh, you know, it, it looks really good. It's beautiful, and they're not, like, getting nervous and collapsing and stuff. Then we get more of the flashback between Mukao and Sei, uh, with Sei saying, like, oh, yeah, you haven't, like, actually observed pairs in person before, so you should, you know, come with me to the, see this, like, new pair practicing together. Uh, and he says, like, well, I, you know, I can't see well. Uh, as, as because of my condition and she's like well yeah you rely on sound and stuff you skate accurately even with your eyes closed and they're novices so I'm not asking you to learn skills from them I just want you to experience the audience with all your senses listen to our cheers and think even if the guy goes on notice anyone who does pairs knows how much responsibility he has to to, to bear and stuff so this is a, a thing we're doing with, with, with like hey this is also important for this side character that we're kind of getting used to knowing. And uh, say his explanation continues on saying like, if you've decided to get on the ice, the more you achieve, the more exciting your competitions become and the less you'll have to avoid be, you'll be able to avoid being watched. So maybe you should think of it this way. It's not actually all that bad. There we go. The big thing for pair skating, Quinn, it's not actually all that bad. (laughs) Our two sports uh, things. Oh, man, I never understood how massive t- golf is. And t- pair skating, it's not all that bad. You know what? Maybe this doesn't suck as much as I thought it did. <laughs> um, and this happens at a big moment where Huma is doing this hand-to-hand lift. So, like, he's supporting all of Kisara's weight on his hands, on her hands, while lifting her above his head. And then they go into a, a death spiral after that. And as they're getting into it, like they're getting more and more excited and happy. And Hayuma's getting drawn into it, saying, like, things are going great. I don't feel tired. Kisara's not getting tired. We're in this together. And he reflects on how, like, hey, she's been alone all this time and couldn't let anyone find out what she was doing for years. And it's like, yeah, we're 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 all in this together. Everyone can see us. And everything the pairs is made up of is what gives us strength. And then he does a big throw and throws her into a spin and she just gets the landing. She clearly doesn't do it super cleanly, but she does it properly. So they've all done the basic moves and they did them all. And so they've passed their test. The thing that was established, it feels like forever ago, honestly, at this point where they said like, hey, you can't be a pair unless you can do these these moves by Mm -hmm. this set deadline. They have done that. They did it. Yay. Hooray. Uh, Mukao, who had like very briefly, like introduced himself before to Hayuma before saying like, but you don't need to remember me. And Hayuma's like, I'll remember you. Come on. And, but now he comes up to Hayuma and says like, 
hey, what was your name again? I, I'll remember it. So this is he had an effect on him, him now. Yes. Kisara and Hayuma bow to say for and say thanks for letting us use your special song, uh, because they performed to the same song that she used at the Olympics, uh, and he kind of realizes that he's kind of like rambling a little bit, and then looks at Kisara and she says, "Nah, nah I, I, I feel the same way." Uh, and so then they're like, "Hey, let's let's both say it together then." Uh, but the importance of this is that like, oh, Hayuma's being more considerate of his partner in this moment. Uh, and uh, so they like, hey, they're more in sync with each other. Uh, they've made this decision together. This is great. And they, the two of them look at Say and say, we're going to try for the Olympics in four years, which Whoa, is a big commitment, of course. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's the note we leave on is uh, them saying like, hey, they completed the pair moves. And that's their final challenge before their competition debut. Uh, and we also end on the sh a shot of the CD that says, you'll never walk alone. But again, no artist name. Don't know which version of it it is. <laughs> is it not this uh, Choji Ayami up there? I, it might be. I don't think so. I want to type Choji Ayami. Choji you'll never walk alone. I don't know about that. So... Uh, well, this one to be the any auto results. This one autocorrected to uh, Jerry and the Peacemakers, Pacemakers. Uh, so mm, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so that's doing ice. Yeah, they're a pair now. Hooray! Uh, they're officially a pair on chapter twenty-one. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, they they have to, you know, they have to work out and all those sorts of things. Look. I, this series is existing. Any enthusiasm I ever had for it has unfortunately been wiped away the moment I started reading Green Green Greens, which I was like, oh yes, this is a much better sports manga. Uh, the series is fine, and I do like how it is building upon this cast. I like the, you know, we are saying here, like, oh yeah, our two main characters are motivated to do it because of everything Say had done for uh, pair skating in Japan. So they have a very big thing of like, hey, we want to say to you directly after allowing us to use your song, we are going to go to the Olympics. It's, you know, there is like intrigue there. It kind of makes me wish just uh, like this relationship had been developed since like the start or near, you know, as opposed to I think this character and like the relationship between everyone started like five chapters ago or something like that. Um, but still, I like it. It's just, you know. Not as good as Green Green Greens. Yep. Uh, agreed. Um, Speaking of not as good as okay. Green Green Greens. <laughs> uh, it's the Elusive Samurai. Chapter 146. Reunion 1338. Uh, there's a celebration following the battle with Toki Yurito. Uh, there is There are clearly a bunch of wounded soldiers licking their wounds and stuff. But hey, they did win the day. So that's good. Uh, Tokyuki and his friends, uh, when it's brought up that they're going to be passing the Fuonoseki checkpoint, they kind of start reminiscing about what they were going through uh, at the time. And Ayaka brings up like, oh, yeah, and Fubuki was irritated because he was so broke and couldn't eat food. And then immediately they're like, oh, right, Fubuki's not with us. Hey, I wonder if Fubuki will come back. It, I was kind of sad at first because I was like, this is actually a good way to remind the cat, like to remind the audience, like it's been a little bit 
that eventually we are going to see Fubuki again. It's yeah. pro- it may not be now, but like to remind us, like it's been a bit. It's not Quinn. He's here. He is. <laughs> oh, I know. He's he's right here now. Okay, never mind. It was to remind us immediately. <laughs> immediately, just yeah. Okay. Well, um, now, Nick, we do it, not know that may not be Fubuki. Uh, this character he's is. He's wearing a mask. This character is introduced to us as uh, Kono Morofuyu, so that is uh, mm. not Fubuki distinctly. No, that so. is that is the name that Marnow gave to Fubuki when he was forcibly recruited. Uh, so, unless this is a oh, different. <laughs> this could be uh, Fubuki's twin uh, or <laughs> doppelganger. Also that name. <laughs> yeah. They gave them the same. They gave they gave these twins the same names to make it extra confusing. Now they don't know who they are. Right. Uh, now and some of uh, the other Ashikaga generals have suddenly shown up. So, oh shit, we've just finished up this one battle. We've got to prepare for another one. Uh, but now just says, "I have given my instructions. I return to Kyo on steward's business. He's he's got other stuff to do. He's not sticking around for the battle. I leave the rest." To you, my son. <laughs> so, and yeah, so definitely not Fubuki, who is wearing a wooden mask uh, and wielding two swords like Fubuki did. Def- uh, different character, can- Nick. This one's wearing a, a different outfit and has a big snowflake on his chest, which I don't believe uh, Fubuki ever did. Uh, so he rides out on a horse while wielding his two swords, and immediately Kotro's like, that commander looks dangerous. As dangerous as Fubuki was, we should scout before engaging. I like the the character decision here to have uh, Tokuyuki be wrong. Like, I think it's just an interesting thing that he's so caught up and dead set on finding Fubuki that he's just misrec. He's just seen characters and like that must be Fubuki. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's very interesting. It shows like the desperation and kind of panic within him. It's a good character decision. Like you know, you're like ah, I've got to stop Hulk Hogan, and you see Mister America, you're like that. That's Hulk Hogan. You're like no, you you banned Hulk Hogan. This is like a pass the lie detector test. That worked for me. I was like, he passed the lie detector. It's not Hulk Hogan. Very brave of Vince McMahon to hook himself up to that polygraph, by the way. Very brave. <laughs> Could have asked him anything. Yeah. Are you a so... monster? <laughs> um. So the elusive warriors ride out Uh. In, with Sheena, by the way, just like I know that she's like more cl- closer to them than any other member of the army, but it's a little bit weird to see her with, you know, all these children. Uh, the one detail of this group shot that I like is that Natsu is like hiding behind Gemba because yeah. she has spotted that, you know, the forces that she broke off from so that she could quote unquote spy on the enemy are here. Uh, so as they approach, Shizuku realizes, like, okay, it looks like the water level has dropped because they've blocked it upstream. So if we try to chase after them and they retreat, then they could take out the barricades there and flood the river while we're trying to cross it. So this is, you know, a, a, a tactic that is gives them a lot of advantages from this uh, vantage point. Immediately, uh... Uh, Tokyuki looks at Fubuki and is like, "Is that you, Fubuki?" And, and he and he says, "I am Kono Moto for you." So uh, again, a different character. Different character. How dare you assume just because I have your friend's hairstyle and fight with your friend's sword uh, style that I am your friend? <laughs> your friend's fights with sword style is 
uh, an interesting way to describe it, but uh, you know what? That was callous. Your friend intimately well, but I am not he. <laughs> I think. You know what? You're right. This was. This has been uh, presumptuous of me. So thank you. Uh, so Ayako and Kojiro are like, okay, well, we fought Fubuki before, and if this guy fights like Fubuki, then I think we can take him because we're a lot stronger now. Uh, and he immediately dashes through them, deflects their blows, and goes straight for Tokyuki and nearly takes his head off. And Tokyuki has to, like, matrix dodge it while they're on horseback. Uh, and Tokyuki is like, oh my god, that is Fubuki! And he is trying to kill us! No, Fubuki uh, wasn't this fast. It's a different character. What is going on? This is, this is weird to keep pushing this point, because now, when the audience finds out this, not, this isn't Fubuki, they're going to be disappointed. Just like when Daniel Bryan didn't come out for the Royal Rumble. Come on, yeah. guys. You're just, you're, you're don't set, do this. You're setting the audience up to be disappointed. This is Nick Manga Booker. We introduced him earlier. Uh, he, he's telling you, don't book this. This is a bad plan, because people at the end of this are going to be like, we want Fubuki. We want Fubuki. And all you have is fucking chump. Yeah, you have chump shit Kona more Fuyu. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Amelia Tokyuki's like, return to yourself, and he's tearing up and going after definitely not Fubuki. Uh, so that's our it's chapter. It's not him! Hey, but you know what? Immediately, Quinn, this is actually a pretty intriguing chapter, because it's like, hey, you know, this, this has happened, there's like actual stakes involved here, they think this is their friend, so there's like dramatic stuff involved. Yeah, I think this was fine. Um, I kind of gave my thoughts during this chapter. Uh, yeah, this isn't Fubuki, yeah. so let's talk about Akane Bayashi. Yeah, story 99. I don't know why I added a Y to it this time. Bayashi. Uh, story 99, The Other Effect. A uh, bit of a like Abbey Road reference on this cover page, kind of. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, it's her... Growing up and getting older from the high vantage point of 19, I think, maybe 20. <laughs> it's very, it's just very amusing to be like, ah, yes, the stages of my life. Five, 10, 18, 20. <laughs> so you've gotten a full picture of my life. Uh, she is still continuing her performance of Tanuki Dice. Uh, and she's, you know, going through some of the jokes in it, like how the different dots on the die are actually different parts of the Tanuki's body. So it's not a great transformation. So like the belly button is actually the one on a die. And so he keeps like kind of landing on, on one because he's like, oh, that just means I land on my back with, with my belly up. And also like his eyes are the, the, the two side and stuff. And so the, guy is trying to say to him it's like you know you're not you're you're no you've you're not you're you're a little bit off you need to make some adjustments and stuff but as Akani's going through it she's realizing like everyone in the hall is making eye contact with me uh so she goes through the performance it you know, goes to the next part and she's like okay so in this part then i need to make this part feel natural and so she like acts out the part where the Tanuki is like, okay, I'm going to adjust my face and, you know, adjusts his mouth instead of his eyes to be at the right, to be in the right position. Uh, but she gets a huge reaction when she delivers this joke and it actually like takes her aback for a second. Like, oh my God, that's the exact reaction I hoped for right when I wanted it. The crowds hang on my every word. This is unreal what's going on this feels amazing and there's just this full page dedicated to just this 
joyful look on her face as she's going through her performance, as she is swept up in it with the audience. Uh, and Chocho is, of course, observing things backstage, and he just notes like, hey, look, people react differently to strangers than to people they're familiar with. Like, the same kind of greeting will get a more, you know, pleasant reaction. The accumulation of nin results in increased trust, and you build up enough of it, and suddenly an indifferent audience becomes the home crowd. And so it's just a matter of, like, she's built that up. So, yeah, every little thing that she's doing now is getting a bigger reaction. These people came to hear you. You don't have to tug on the reins. They want to follow you. So the bar for success is lower and easier to clear than ever, which means you can focus more deeply on the art itself. And Akane remembers a conversation she was having with her friends at the karaoke bar while she was preparing for this. And uh, they, one of them asks, uh, hey, is this the Tanuki that's from that Tanuki money story that you told? And Akane answers like, well, like the same character will show up in different stories and sometimes they'll be in different professions too. So they're like parallel worlds. And Jumbo's like, so it's a multiverse? My interest in Akane Bayashi died in that moment. And I was like, oh, we're adding the multiverse? Come on, guys. It's just not selling very well. <laughs> uh, and uh, But they say like, hey, but if this is the same character, that means that even in totally separate stories, there's a connection between them in Rakugo. And... Akane remembers then, you know, later on when she was going through the temple, uh, walking around, she looked up at a, temp at a temple and saw, like, oh, the Tenjin symbol looks like the five on a die. So, like, if the people in these Rakugo stories were alive today, they might have lived around here. And she visualizes all these stories that she knows just suddenly connecting into a living, breathing world, and it surrounds her in the midst of the performance that she's giving all these characters that she's done, these stories of are all running around her. Uh, and uh, yeah, so didn't quite expect that this would be the direction we were taking in terms of, Oh man, you know, Akane's, you know, learning the secret of Rakugo and stuff, but this is a, a cool way of doing it uh, and saying like, it's not just that she's good at performing. It's that the stories themselves have more of an impact on her, which given that we had, establish the importance of those before like saying like oh this is going to be a friend for me an ally for me going forward it's like she is tapping into her ally's strength now mm -hmm. yeah it's some good stuff uh do we want to wrap things up with one piece yeah it's chapter 1108 Come on, world. We do get a uh, color page with some of the ladies from One Piece. I don't know if this is supposed to be in reference to anything because it is kind of an interesting selection of characters. Uh, mostly Reiju, Tashiki, and then Uta. You're like, all right, I guess Uta's just canon. I mean, she's right. always kind of been canon, but like, well, let's just throw her a color page spreads, whatever. Uh, or maybe film red got like a re-release or something because every all like most of the women are wearing red i don't know yeah 
Apparently. Also, there's just a po- bunch of portraits of dogs on the wall behind them. Well, that's normal. That's that's how most houses are. They just have dog pictures everywhere. They're apparently getting short stories about these characters. Okie dokie. Uh, so, last time, uh, Van Auger and Katerina Devon were uh, escaping the island after doing something with uh, mm-hmm. St. Saturn when Caribou, wet-haired Caribou, stopped them. And uh, that's where we're at right now, as he's begging, don't shoot, don't shoot, please, wait, I have something to tell you. And Van Auger is like, mm, yes, you are a pirate, but this is a government island, so you might be trying to kill Blackbeard. And Blackbeard, uh, uh, Caribou's like, no, please, you gotta believe me. If you kill me now, Master Teach is gonna split your skulls. And he's like, why is that? He's like, because I have information, valuable information you won't hear from anyone else. So we see a little thought process of him saying to you know how he knows about poseidon the powers of princess shirohoshi and also about pluton the weapon that mm-hmm. slumbers beneath the land of wano he is the only person in the world besides the straw hat crew that knows these two secrets as far as he knows yes so he's <laughs> like let me go along with you let me see master teach and i will happily provide this information it'll be worth your time we don't find out the resolution to that we might not nope. we this might be like <laughs> a scene we see later with they they nail him into a barrel again <laughs> like everyone else does um but yeah uh looks like uh teach is gonna have his own bartolomeo now yeah kind of uh cut over to i guess we're actually still on egghead island but we cut over yes. to the shore where marine ships are being sunk by pacifistas left and right they're attacking but the pacifists are using a bubble shield a bunch of marines are like this sucks why should we be the one that has to face up against the the power of the navy special science group ah and they get blown up we see uh a sort of smattering of different vice admirals some of which yeah. we've known i don't think we've seen hound before but maybe we have it's some giant group shot he's the one uh are they the one i should say who's like are we gonna cancel the buster call because we're getting our shit pushed <laughs> in um but the the talk basically goes around it's like look whatever happened is because of jewelry bonnie if we kill bonnie then the pacifistas will stop being under her control so we have to kill her now. And we get a report from one Vice Admiral Tosa who's like, I'm here. I'm going to execute them right now. Jumps up behind Frankie, has his hands uh, ready to do the 10 finger pistol murder attack uh, when he is, uh, I presume, killed by an axe. I, maybe the axe is blunt, but he is, he is whacked by the axe of a giant. So assuming there is any edge to it whatsoever, he should be paced. Uh, I think that there is a splat sound effect, so I think he gets, like, flat-edged with it, just like the, the face of the axe as opposed to the edge of it. Ah, uh, uh, ah, yes, I can see, I can see his legs hanging out from the bottom there, so he is smacked, he is squished beneath the, uh, the, the dull surface side. Uh, Certainly not a fun time, though. No, that still probably sucks. Uh, Bonnie is like, oh my god, there are giants. Frankie is also like, what are giants doing here? And Bor- Dory and Broggy are just like, hey, uh, tried to find any of the Straw Hats. We tried to brush up on their new members through their bounty posters, but I don't see anyone here. So what's going on? Uh, the the joke here is that uh, Frankie's last two uh, bounty posters were the General Frankie, and then most oh, recent, yes. and then most recently it was the Thousand Sunny. So I yeah. guess the Marines just think it's the ship. 
So I am waiting for the payoff to this joke later when they get all the strides to the thousand say they're like, Cyborg Frankie, it's good to meet you. <laughs> Uh, Frankie does ask, hey, Luffy's my captain. Are you guys here to fight him? And they're like, no, no, we're warriors of Elpeth. They're our friends. We're here to protect them. Uh, Bonnie's like, Luffy and Sanji and Vegapunk are still on the island. Will you help them? And they're like, aw, those are some very familiar names. They're like, we love Luffy and Sanji. Before all you new age pirates joined the crew and it got complicated. <laughs> also, just a great shot to establish scale uh, between them. Uh, because, like, Bonnie is looking up at the face of uh, of these guys, and she's as big as, like, one of their teeth. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, they hand off, basically, this group to a couple of their fellow pirates, and they're like, hey, get these mm-hmm. guys to the ship. So, as of right now, that group does seem to be in safe hands. Uh, so, we'll, we'll stay tuned. In my mind, I've death flags have been uh, flaring for Kuma since yeah. this adventure has started, so the idea that he seems to be in relative safety right now is mind-blowing to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we see a couple more different admirals who are just like, alright, you know what, fuck it. I'm gonna go to the island. One of them, Pomsky, says that. Uh, Bluegrass, I think is her name, who has the Jack-Jack fruit, grabs one of uh, the C-Lab creatures and is like, alright, you, yeah. you join too, doll, who I guess you are an important character. Um... She also notes as she gets on, she's like, hey, the giants are really tough. Have you ever fought one? And Dahl says, my superior officer was a giant over 20 years ago. And Blue Gas kind of confirms what we all think then. Like, ah, yes, you mean Saul. We get it. Just another little quick reminder about Saul. I like. I do like the way the doll poses on the uh, spine yeah. of, the, of the creature. Just, just standing up here, casually standing up here while this giant creature takes us across the ocean. Yes, this is slowly uh, feels like it is becoming um, sort of like the uh, Enos lobby conclusion, except instead of Marine captains, it's now Marine vice admirals who will be fucking swarming around in the stakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we we cut back over to the sort of the conflict with Luffy and everybody. And uh, Luffy tries, I believe, to move Vegapunk. And he's like, no, this would kill me. <laughs> uh, but he's like, ah, oh, you must remember, we promised we'd get you off the island. And Vegapunk's like, I know I asked for that, but I've made up my mind. There is something here I have to protect. And now that I've given up the secret about Bonnie, they'll be after her life. So protect her. Uh, while this is happening, St. Saturn ain't looking the same. He's looking nope. more. Full um, spider. Full spider. Also, uh, there's there's not really thoughts behind those those eyes anymore. Kind of just like eldritch phrases maybe going on, like whispers. Uh, and Sanji notes this. He, he just notes that St. Saturn is looking, quote, less and less human by the minute. Uh, the look at his eyes are bizarre, and it looks like he has maybe coated himself in a poison or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Saturn attacks with his, uh, tentacle legs. His legs actually (laughs) wiggle about like tentacles. He is, uh, not talking. He is just murdering right now. Uh, Luffy, uh, dodges and Sanji snatches up Vegapunk who screams in pain. Uh, No, don't move me. Don't, don't move me. (laughs) Don't, please stop. Um, 
<laughs> I loopy, I do. Oh, it's the only thing that could make this worse is if someone shot the lasers through my <laughs> chest right now. Well, Sanji's like, don't worry, I'll protect you to make sure that doesn't happen. Porcelino immediately shows up, kicks Vegapunk out of his hands, and then shoots a laser through him while he's in the air. Um, it does not look like Vegapunk is going to survive. Uh, he falls to the ground. Uh, Luffy's like, oh no, Apple Man. Uh, Borsalino tries to intervene at this point to, like, finish the job, uh, but Luffy snatches him up, just grabs him in one hand, and then grabs St. Saturn in the other one and says, you guys aren't going anywhere. Lu- uh, Sanji is grabs Vegapunk and is, is carrying him away, uh, but he just kind of notes, he's like, hey, Vegapunk, you're not dead, are you? Why are you smiling? And while this conversation is happening, we just have the slow sound effect of beep, beep, Click as we cut to inside of the laboratory as a heart rate monitor flatlines and a recording starts to play of Vegapunk. So, it, oh, ah, is is this thing on? Hello out there. Come in, world. Ah, I am the Dr. Vegapunk, a humble genius scientist. And while many of you would be shocked by the things I say in this message, I assure you that it is the truth of this world. Some kind of broadcast, seemingly going out uh, on an open channel. Uh, yeah, it's some with, kind uh, of dead man switch on. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he did have a whole sort, a lot of those uh, being alluded to as being set up. Yes. Uh, yeah, this is an exciting chapter. I love that uh, final two pages. Uh, I love the shot of like Gear Five Luffy, but very serious Gear Five Luffy snap, snatching up Borsalino and uh, also grabbing Jay Garcia Saturn. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in this that's just like, oh, yeah, this is, this is exciting stuff. Uh, it definitely, in the beginning, makes me think, like, I don't know if this is going to go the way you want it to, Caribou. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can very easily see him ending up uh, in a poor position at the end of this. Uh, but he sucks, so he should. Uh, anything yeah. he gets is too good for him. Um, I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. The two-page spread is really exciting. There was, like, a part of me that was really hoping we were going to get Luffy and Sanji together, like, as a team mm-hmm. against them. Uh, but it looks like Sanji's going to be trying to save Vegapunk. I don't know if I'm 100% buying that Vegapunk is going to die here. I could very easily see something happening to get him back going. But it would be kind of crazy if he died. And it's just basically like up to Edison, Lilith and Atlas to kind of be his legacy at this point. Yeah. Um. So we shall see. But uh, this is a very exciting chapter. I love how fucking terrifying St. Saturn is getting. He doesn't talk at all in this chapter. Yeah. He doesn't say anything. He's not bragging or anything like that anymore. He is fully just evil spider demon yeah it's a nice you know change of pace from him just being like i just do it because i'm an asshole (laughs) yeah um yeah so that is our manga for this week uh some good stuff what was your favorite chapter though tell me uh, I think my favorite chapter this week was on Dead Unluck, which I thought had a really intriguing premise. As I said, I really love just the way Fuko seemed like rattled by this revelation, not necessarily in like a like a sinister way or anything like that, but like mm-hmm. uh, capturing that idea of feeling like you have just discovered something about your own reality is is like a very difficult thought to capture. And I thought uh, the series did a great job to do it. 
and it was just very cool to see her slashing up these ten uh, these tendrils and then firing off an unluck bullet uh, with her soul and, and crushing this blue whale with a meteor. It's just very wacky, wild stuff, and I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, we had a number of chapters about like you know people realizing the nature of their of their powers in several different ways. Uh, but uh, this was the only one that had sharks and a whale in it, so I'm going to say <laughs> this is also my favorite chapter. Uh, just a very ridiculous, over the top way of doing it, uh, but also in a way that like makes it feel like, oh yeah, this has been like led up to. Like there have been hints of this, uh, very strong hints uh, going into this, but also we leave the door open for more. Uh, mysteries to be answered like hey so what's going on with all these like previous wielders seemingly of unluck are they previous wielders of unluck you would think so right that that does seem Uh, to be the implication yes right um but you know like there's more going on i also like how as this keeps that we keep on going forward because beast works by you know devouring souls and stealing their abilities that his form keeps on changing throughout Mm -hmm. the fight um it's just uh good stuff uh so yeah there was a lot to like about that chapter but also like akane banashi was good blue box was good one piece was good there were a lot of good chapters this week yes a lot of really really good ones uh character of the week is tougher for me i think i'm gonna give it to haku because i do appreciate that he uh had a great showing started to stumble and then very firmly goes through his character kind of development, everything like that. Realizes like, oh, I'm the one behind. I should maybe just give up. And he's like, that's what old me would have said. And mm-hmm. he, he sinks it uh, in one putt and gets to kind of go out in a quasi win. Good stuff. Yeah. I, I, again, like 100% with you. Uh, I like that we have this without having the kind of thing of like oh character represent character uh, growth is always also like power and skill growth in this case mm-hmm. like no he sucked on this <laughs> whole uh but if the character growth is demonstrated by the fact that you know things went really wrong for him here and he didn't lose faith yes. uh he trusted in the fact that he has worked really hard and he's like okay i'll just you know try again and that's very admirable to to see yes uh you know anyone can can be like oh things are going great when things are going great but it is you know how you behave in adversity that shows who you really are and this was very nice to see like how far our boys come so yes. yeah the audience by the way doubled up akane banashi was chapter of the week and akane herself was character of the week so congrats to akane banashi yeah, your I- reward is in the mail yeah akane banashi again also really good uh so yeah we had some good chapters uh yeah we got some stuff to look forward to for next week as we have left a lot of things just being like ooh, what's gonna happen next kind of note and uh so i look forward to getting to talk about that stuff but for right now that's gonna do it for weekly manga recap guys thanks for joining us we record this show usually starting around 7 30 to 8 eastern time in the evenings on wednesdays here on twitch.tv slash rollo t we record uh, uh eastern time uh we also have uh Previous episodes can be listened to on weeklymangarecap.podbean.com. They're also on podcast feeds like Spotify and iTunes. Video versions are posted on YouTube, youtube.com slash weeklymangarecap. And the YouTube version has an opening sequence done for us by Malajak Stillitz and Winslowdale Cheddar. We also occasionally have uh, title cards posted for those, which are done by Steve Mann. His artwork you can find all across the internet if you just search for Steve Mann art. Uh... And uh, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash recap. If you want to support the show financially, we post bonus episodes on there. 
and uh, Can, also, oh, we just want to say, I, I, I want to note, uh, I should have, I should have, I meant to do this at the start of the show. There is a new episode that just went out of our bonus podcast where we do a top 10 li- or a tier list rather of manga parents. Special thanks to Ninja X3i. Yes. Uh, I, I want to note, uh, for those of you who have been in our Discord, you might have known this happened. Uh, but while recording that episode, my house was slowly flooding, <laughs> and I didn't realize until after the episode was recorded. So, for the own sake of my misery, please listen and enjoy this episode so that something Worth good it. comes out of it. Uh, yeah, and uh, if you want uh, more Mikamanga Recap stuff, uh, we've got a Discord channel, which is linked basically wherever this episode will be posted. Uh, we've got a wonderful community that uh, does, like, game nights and just regular voice discussions and stuff, chat about the chapters as they come out ahead of the show, uh, and also use that to just, like, make recommendations for stuff. Like, if you want, if you, if there is, like, a... Uh, speaking of the Patreon, if there is like a, a topic for a, an extra episode that you think that would be interesting for us to cover, there's an area for you to make suggestions for that. And also you can use it to find the Google Doc, which keeps track of all sorts of statistics associated with the show. Uh, MVP voting and, and favorite series voting as we do it week to week. Year-end uh, rewards and stuff. You can look back on all that stuff. And recommendations for future series for us to cover. And also a full list of recommendations that we've taken in the past. Uh, so Ninjax 3i keeps track of all that stuff uh, and also helped us as Quinn said put together the uh, the tier video that we did for the uh, Patreon episode yes. so thank you for all of that and thank you viewer person uh, for watching listening to all this show and thank you Quinn for uh, giving me someone to talk to so that I don't sound insane when I come into this room to talk about manga because I would do it even if you weren't here, I would just have way less of a good time doing it. So if something happens to me, uh, I could put like a scarecrow up here in this chair and you'll still do the podcast. Um, I guess. All right. Uh, it's been confirmed, guys. Weekly manga recap never ends. <laughs> One day we will both be gone and these chairs will still move. And just know we are ghosts talking about manga. <laughs> it's actually something very weirdly sweet about. <laughs> yeah. Death can't stop us. <laughs> all right, guys, that's going to do it for Weekly Margarita. Thank you all, and have a good leap day. <laughs> Bye, everybody.